0: This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Saturday morning indeed. Welcome Friday into the Saturday, Saturday session. Hope you've all had a wonderful week. My name is Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott alongside Ben Francis in the house as well. We roll through to 1 o'clock. Our number is 0800 150 Lines are open. You'll get through right now if you want to join the conversation. Double eight, double three. I'm a bundle of nervous energy right now. There's 60 seconds remaining in the second of the quarterfinals at FIFA World Cup. Argentina are leading the Netherlands by two goals to one. Argentina were up 2-0. The Dutch scored in, I think, the 84th minute after being utterly insipid for the 83 minutes prior. Uh, we're in the last um, of the 10 additional minutes in at a time, and the Dutch have a free kick. Good morning, Grant Elliott. Very Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas because I think you were marrying last night at your Christmas party.
1: Do I find you in fine form? Good morning, Daniel. Good morning to all the listeners out there. I am in fine form. I've actually got three screens up and running here. I'm staying at the beautiful 305 The Vines in Havelock North where we had our uh, Christmas party last night. So I just thought I may as well enjoy it in the vineyard over here and uh, speak to those listeners while we're all getting merry. But there's a free kick, isn't there? Uh, Netherlands versus Argentina. Argentinian fans are looking loose. It looked like the dance floor at 305 The Vines last night. Have they celebrated too early, Daniel McCarty?
0: Well, the the Argentine fans have been excellent throughout this uh, tournament. They completely swamped the Dutch, who all seem to be in a little pocket of about 40 of them. Uh, A lot of Dutch fans refusing to tour uh, for uh, moral reasons. Uh, But this uh, free kick is just being taken. It's a a work move and the Dutch have scored! The Dutch have scored grand, right, Elliott. Would you believe oh. it? Maybe with the last kick in the game, the Dutch. It's a free kick from 20 yards out, two yards outside the area, in line with the left-hand post. And rather than shooting on goal, as every person on the planet thought they would, they've actually rolled the ball forward to the side of the wall, constructed by the Argentines. And I think, I think Valt Weghorst has scored and this game is going to extra time. Incredible. It's Scarcely believable stuff, Grant.
1: That I told you, you up, son. I told you, Daniel, I said they celebrated too early, the Argentinian fans. I looked in the crowd and they were celebrating about three minutes out. And that, that was phenomenal. I, I, I've got a bit of a lag. I'm sort of 20 seconds behind you. So I was waiting for the goal, but they just rolled it into the wall, didn't they? Yeah, just to the right of
0: the wall as they looked at it, Interveld so holds off the challenge of Romero, pushes him to the ground and puts him in the back of the net. It's off the training ground, Grant. It's an exceptional set piece. Uh, Argentina, though, let the Inquisition begin as far as defending that one. And uh, I- I'm not sure how you recover from that. It was what, I love, 10th, what I love is I the, the minute of added time. So, sorry, <laughs> carry on, Grant. You, you, might be, uh, you might be surprised to hear I'm wearing a Dutch shirt, so I'm a little bit
1: excited. No, rightfully so. Um, Well, I mean, I come from a little bit of Dutch heritage myself and my family. So what I found interesting, though, is that there was a player behind the wall. I've never seen that. I haven't watched a lot of this World Cup football. But there's a player lying down just by the feet of the uh, four players that made up the Argentinian wall. And um, he just with his back turned. So obviously, that's for the low kick so that the, the wall can jump yeah. as he kicks it. Is that, is that something yes. they've been using quite a lot?
0: Yeah, it's more of a modern-day um, sort of initiative uh, over the last couple of years, but it seems pretty prominent now throughout this. We haven't seen too many free-kick goals at this tournament. Uh, Luis Chavez from Mexico uh, sticks out. I think Rashford for England got one. Uh, but that was not your traditional uh, free-kick. This game is getting spicy. Look, the final whistle sounded, it's going to extra time, there's pushing and shoving, the Argentine players are off the bench, they're onto the field, it's getting very ugly. This game started to get a little bit testy, especially after the Dutch went down by two goals to nil after a messy penalty in the 73rd minute. Messi set up the first in the first half with a quite exquisite pass. Uh, then there was a moment when there was a foul in front of the Dutch bench, Grant, and one of the Argentine players just lashed the ball straight into the subs of the Dutch, who got up off their feet, charged onto the field, and uh, there was lots of pushing and shoving. Uh, Virgil van Dyke dropped a, a shoulder charge that um, any front row forward in the NRL would be pleased of uh, to, to send Paredes, uh, the offender, s- flying to the ground. He picked up a yellow card for that, but it's got a little bit ugly, a little bit heated. There is, of course, uh, plenty of history between these two sides. Grant, the very infamous 1978 final in Argentina, Argentina won three goals to one um, in extra time. 98, they met at this stage, quarterfinal stage. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp with one of the great goals of World Cup football history to settle that one. And uh, eight years ago, when the Dutch were last at a World Cup, it uh, ended in the semi-finals for the Dutch as Argentina won a penalty shootout. Is history going to repeat? Are we heading to a penalty shootout? Well, only time will tell. Um, right now, though, at six minutes after ten o'clock, let's get into what we normally do at the top. or a little bit behind. Gee, don't you love live sport, Grant? Live sport is, covering life sport is the best. All plans well, I, out the window.
1: You know, you know. one of the things that, like, I'm just watching this on the, on, on the screen of my phone, but like there's a little bit of pushing and shoving and there's passion. And I know yeah. it's not great for the kids. It's not great for kids to see that sort of stuff. But I love seeing passion in sports. And I think, because, you know, especially in cricket as well, it's like as soon as someone starts giving someone verbals, then the umpires just stop it straight away. Whereas I actually think you need to show the fans that passion and that aggression and that real will to win. Uh, And that's all it is. It's players getting very emotional because they want to do the utmost to beat the opposition. And I think that sometimes as officials, uh, they squash that passion because you have to be PC and be shown to be a good sportsman. But I think being a good sportsman is showing how competitive you are as well.
0: Yeah, and the referees and officials have dealt with this rather heated 20 minutes, I think, reasonably well. You could have just had a flurry of yellow cards for everyone running onto the field. and You know, there's probably an argument to be uh, made that you probably should. Uh, but we're going to have uh, a full complement of players for the knockouts. Uh, the extra time period. What a delicious goal that is. Isn't it? Uh, here's a lovely text. Hoop, Holland, Hoop, Komop, Jungers. Uh, <laughs> double eight, double three. get your contribution into the programme. Let's get to our sporting headlines. Tournament favourites, Brazil were knocked out of the World Cup on penalties as Croatia kept their nerve to edge through to the semi finals after rather engrossing 90 minutes. Neymar scored a quite sensational goal on the stroke of half time in extra time. It is just a brilliant goal. Uh, but it was not going to be um, the hero moment for Neymar because Croatia, who get this grant, had not had a shot on goal until the 118th minute, two minutes from the end of the game, when Bruno Petkovic A left foot strike from the top of the area deflected off a Brazilian defender and nestled into the bottom left-hand corner and sent the game through to penalties. And then, well, uh, for the fourth time in a row at FIFA World Cups over the last two tournaments, Croatia held their nerve, won a penalty shootout. Uh, Brazil missed their first and their fourth, Uh, Croatia uh, getting through in the end uh, four goals to two. A big talking point is of course uh, Neymar who scored his six previous goals had been via the penalty spot for Brazil. He didn't take one. He didn't take one. He was listed at number five. I still just can't fathom your best penalty taker taking uh, the fifth penalty. It just doesn't make sense to me. We've seen it far too often in the history of the sport where it doesn't get to the fifth guy. You're relying on your teammates Um, and Marquinhos was the man who missed the final penalty so that is a huge talking point. Uh, And Brazilian manager Chiche also announcing he's leaving his post. That was well signposted uh, prior to the tournament. He uh, stepping down as Brazil's coach. Uh, here's a man who's in the news, a fair bit, Grant. Uh, David Warner's manager has dropped a bombshell on the Sandpaper Gate scandal. Uh, James uh, Erskine uh, claimed two Australian senior executives not only knew about the ball-tampering in South Africa, but had instructed Warner and his teammates to do it a couple of years earlier after a loss to South Africa uh, in a test match in Australia. Mm. It came after Warner released a statement declaring he will not be appealing his leadership ban. And the All Black Sevens have suffered a surprise loss to Spain at uh, the Cape Town Sevens. I thought that was a misprint. We lost to Spain? We lost to Spain in Sevens? Rugby? Going down 14 points to 10. And their only match in on the first half of the tournament, they went down to the European nation for just the second time ever. And tough games against Argentina and Kenya now await. Uh, it is 9 minutes after 10 o'clock. Made that 10 minutes after 10 o'clock. In the other semi-final, it's going to extra time. The Dutch scoring 11 minutes into added time, would you believe, to send it to extras. I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on 0800 150 uh, We'll get our first break out of the way. Now we're a little bit behind after that extraordinary finish in added time. Uh, and, and I'm sure um, we've got some things we'd like to get our, off our chest. And with you, let's get the uh, the hot take hotline rolling, shall we, on 0800 Open Line Talk. Join the show back after this. Quarter past 10, this is the Saturday session. 0800 1508 11. That is the number you call. Open Line Talk. Anything top of your mind, now is the chance. Speak now or forever hold your peace. That would have uh, that would have uh, fired you up, that music grant, Elliot. On a scale of one to Dusty... How dusty are you after your Christmas? Party?
1: Um, I, I think I'm at a, a solid sort of seven at the moment. Um, but, you know, this is the time to get festive, people. We're going to have Christmas parties coming up. We're going to have events. There's the Football World Cup, which is heating up. You know, you're going to have to just back it up. We always used to say man in the exactly. evening, man in the morning. Um, so that's yeah, what and I've And there was never any,
0: no threat of you pulling out of today, was there, Grant? None whatsoever. Man of the people.
1: <laughs> there was a nervous Ben Francis, though. I got a few messages from him, the producer producer extraordinaire, um, and I, I sensed it was more like, are oh, you going to make it sort of text, not like here's the link for the video feed. Um, he's I, he's I, a caring
0: want... father figure to us, and understandably <laughs> um, he has doubts about your ability to front after a night out.
1: <laughs> I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But what I want to talk about was just before we, we got to the break, you spoke about the headlines and you spoke about David Warner and all the controversy around David Warner. And there's been a lot said from his side and from his manager's side. I just don't know why cricket Australia do this to themselves, because why have they not named the two officials? Um, that actually? No, that was his manager.
0: That was his manager. It was unfounded. Um, you know, it's been, it's been claimed it's unfounded. It, it's pretty, it's probably a bit of a low blow to just throw everyone at Cricket Australia under the bus, isn't it? I'm not sure it helps the situation. It doesn't cover the Warner Camp and Glory here. And I know he's a rather unsympathetic figure, and um, I'm probably on an island uh, with this. I'd love to get our listeners' thoughts on 800 150 But you know what this all stems from, Grant? And I, I said this to Ricardo yesterday on the panel. I'm strident in this belief. They've created Rod for their own back because they banned him for life. Banned him for life from a leadership position which I just think is ridiculous, um, especially in these sporting contexts. Banning anyone for life, what you, you actually wanted to bring about positive change to the way Australian cricket actually went about things. Well, wouldn't you provide some sort of a carrot for some form of rehabilitation? And I, I think over the last couple of years since that, David Warner has pretty much kept his nose clean, hasn't he?
1: Well, I, I wonder if this has come off the back of Steve Smith being given the captaincy where David Absolutely. Warner looks at it and goes, well, hang on a second, you know, um, he was involved as well. And I think that the, the big question mark for me is is not so much around, you know, everything that's happened with David Warner and his isolated, um, you know, issue. I think when this happened, Sandpaper Gate, you'd have to ask yourself, surely the bowlers knew what was going on. When they got a ball that, you know, after 15 overs and you, you started on middle and leg and it, you know, swings down leg for five wides and you go, hey. Of course uh, they knew, Grant. It's re- Come it's on, reversing. you know
0: that. And another thing I said, you said, why didn't they all front then after Cape Town and say, yeah, we were all involved here, all take a couple of game uh, suspension. And in a lot of ways, the issue's buried rather than three guys at the pointy end copying these, I think, really harsh penalties. You know, a lifetime cool. ban for, uh, and I know it's not like for like because it was about uh, you know how he conducted himself on the field, the you know the lies and the immediate aftermath. Uh, but but on the field itself, the ICC only judge ball tampering as a two game suspension.
1: Well, is that is that not the issue here? Is that Warner's taken the the fall for a lot of those players? He probably feels that and and harbors all those ill feelings because when you when you decide that you want to try and get the ball to reverse swing you will decide it as a team, you go, Hey guys, let's get this ball into the dirt. So you actually you'll collect the ball and you'll try and get the seam up on your fingers. And then you'll throw it sideways so that you get it on the rough side of the ball. And you scuff it up on the on the deck. And a lot of umpires will allow that if you're in the 30 yard circle. But if you're mm-hmm. in the outfield, you can bounce it into the keeper. So as a team, you start working on that ball in a way Well, obviously not with sandpaper, but you start working on it in a natural way to try and uh, depreciate the, the rough side so you can get it almost fluffy. And if you get that fluffy leather, then it starts reversing. Um, now, as a team, surely they made the decision, whether it was captain, whether it was Dave Warner, someone said, right, we're not going to win this test if we don't get the ball reversing. Let's get it reversing. And as a team, you know that because you have to look after the ball. You have to keep it dry, and you also have to try and throw it into the dirt um, on the correct side.
0: It makes zero sense you don't tell your bowlers, right? It makes zero sense. It would, be, it would be the worst bit of cheating in sport if you don't tell your bowlers. That's what you're doing, right? So um, we we all know. it uh, Walks like a duck. It sounds like a duck. It looks like a duck. What is it, Grant?
1: Yeah, it's, it, a, it's a reverse swinging duck. It's a it, it's duck. A duck. And yeah, a, a
0: reverse swing...
1: <laughs> And as And as a bowler, you need to know that the ball is reversing or you're trying to reverse it because you have to – you know, direct the ball if you're swinging it in um, for an in swinger. Obviously, it reverses and goes away. So, you, for accuracy, you need to know that the ball is reversing.
0: Yeah, but to your point about uh, making um, your own bed on this uh, this latest chapter of this very, very um, you know hot bed topic. And listeners, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Love to get your perspective. Uh, feel free to join Grant and I. If you've got a question, if you've got a comment, now is your chance. But the suggestion that this hearing to see if you know there's been enough acts of contrition that he's learnt from his mistakes he's remorseful um, that he's um, you know ready to be considered, even though I don't think he's ever going to be considered because I don't think he is captain material in my humble opinion uh, I wouldn't give him um, uh, the captain's armband even though they don't do that in, um, in, in cricket but the the notion of having this notion of having this open hearing Having it as an open hearing, what, what purpose would that have served?
1: Ultimately, well, um,
0: I, Warner and his camp have seized this as an opportunity to say, no, we're not interested. We're we'll open old wounds and, and try to get some sort of sympathy from it.
1: Well, I mean, I, I do. I like what Warner said around, I don't want to drag my family through this again. He's obviously gone through a torrid time. Um, and as I said, it's like, well, he's the one that's getting dragged through this. But in actual fact, it should be the whole team. You know, he probably feels that You know we did this as a team you know whether you're the the one that's actually using the sandpaper i'm pretty sure that you know there would have been people in the the change room that knew about that and didn't stop it at that time so um i i like the fact that he's turning down you know an open discussion because you know why why open the old wounds he's taken the fall he's got his punishment why go through this whole thing again and w- with uh, him being a leader, he has led the Hyderabad Sunrises in the IPL. And I think what David Warner, as a leader, he leads by actions in terms of the runs on the, uh, the board. And he's obviously a very aggressive player. And I think, you know, as a leader, he h- would hopefully bring that out in the players. But I think that that leadership armband, um, as you called it, has, has gone. He, he's not going to get a leadership position again.
0: I'd love to get your thoughts on this. 0800 150 You can text us 8833 on the Bed Post Temper Text Machine. A temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, 8833, that's how you get your messages uh, through. Your take on uh, the latest chapter of this David Warner versus uh, Cricket Australia. Uh, really interested to get your perspective. We'll have more uh, cricket conversation later this hour in our regular segment uh, with PGG Rights and looking at uh, a variety of cricketing topics. If you've got a question also, uh, you can uh, contribute, fire those through to double eight double three. One message here um, bragging about, I've got Croatia at 40s and still in the Football World Cup. Yeah, Croatia are in the Football World Cup. Brazil are out. Neutrals start complaining. Uh, this was the defining moment. The defender, Marquinhos. He'll take a right-footed shot, Marquinhos, he's hit the post,
2: he's hit the post, and it's out, Brazil have been eliminated, Brazil are gone, it is over, and Croatia live on. Croatia, the masters of the penalty shootouts, have knocked over the Giants. The dream of a sixth star above the crest is over. And Croatia, the giant killers. They have done it again. Croatia progress into the semi finals.
0: That was a commentary as heard on the SENZ app. You will uh, pick up uh, the dying stages of uh, Netherlands and Argentina on the SENZ app, which has been the home of the FIFA World Cup. In the second quarter final today, it's Netherlands 2, Argentina 2. Uh, The Netherlands scoring 11 minutes into added time to make it to all and send it to extra time. But yeah, five-time champions, Brazil are gone, Grant Elliott. Uh, Croatia, uh, prior to this tournament, everyone said they were the dark horse. I keep going, how can you be a dark horse when you were finalists four years ago? And a lot of those uh, players are returning... What I so admire about Croatia, Grant, is they're a really limited team, especially in their front line. And I'd love to get the football fans' perspective on this. Is this good or bad? I'm sure the anti-football brigade will complain because Croatia had one shot on goal in 120 minutes of football. Yeah, that was the 118th-minute strike that sent it to penalties, but they've won another penalty shootout. Croatia don't care about your feelings, and I'm here for it. Their front line is limited. They play to their strengths, Grant defensively, they're good. I thought Vardial, the heart of defence, was just magnificent. Uh, Lavakovic and goal was excellent. And their midfield, you know, were able to control the tempo of that game for so, so long. They, t- they just don't have the star quality of Brazil. I, I just admire this uh, team's ability to never, never give up, never quit, never, never believe they've, they've lost. This-, this is a nation of under 4 million people, Grant, who are, go- who are going back to a World Cup semi-final
1: yeah it's it's phenomenal that croatia have gone through there and i mean i i think last weekend we were talking about how you said this world cup it's harder to pick than a broken nose and you know you look at the teams morocco versus spain i think we we were talking about um who was on our show last week where we said who are the real outsiders that have got a chance and i think it was at 81 and Japan, I think, was was picked as maybe a rank outsider, and Morocco was the other one. So you now find Morocco versus Portugal, and England-France, which is happening um, shortly, and I know the Murphy's Bar and Havelock North is firing up for that. They've got bacon and um, all <laughs> going going around um, early on in the morning. But um, that, that Croatia-Brazil, that's, that's broken a lot of hearts, hasn't it, Daniel? I mean, you've watched a lot of this. But, I mean, how can you actually pick these teams, because we spoke about it last weekend, and they said football, the, the world of football, is getting um, closer in terms of the best in the world to the the others. And we don't see that in test cricket, um, or in the cricketing landscape. But in football, we're seeing anyone can beat anyone.
0: But it's a sport that lends itself to upsets, Grant. Uh, you can soak up pressure, uh, concede a lot of shot on goals, and then go on and win games. If you compare that to uh, a game of rugby league, if you have that much domin- uh, dominance, um, you know, cracks the line, you're, you're going to be rewarded with a penalty for a start. you kick a field, kick a field goal if you want. Um, you'll probably win more games than not. Football throws up these results. And, and you look at the stats of that game. As I mentioned, just one shot on goal and 120 minutes of football for Croatia. Um, Brazil had 11 on goal, had 11 chances. But I, I still didn't trust that forward line. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Richarlison, as you sent it forward, doesn't excite me. Uh, I know he scored a wonder goal earlier in the tournament, um, and he's got a pretty good record, but I, I just never felt they were a certainty to progress, um, you know, through to another title, as so many people had. It's said. I, I would say there's a lot of very good teams at this World Cup. There's no great side. And when you've got a lot of very good sides, you're going to have some pretty tight, tense games, like we're seeing in the second quarter final today, which is 2-2, uh, they've moved into the second half of uh, that extra time period, live commentary on the SNZ app if you want to catch the drama. But uh, um, You know, it makes for wonderful theatre when you don't know the outcomes.
1: Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not a massive football head. I don't really know my football as well as you do. But from uh, historically, I always thought, you know, Germany did well in the tournament because they were the, the most sound team defensively. Are we seeing a change in that? no, not anymore. But the teams that progress, are they the best defensive teams? Or what have you seen strategy-wise with the teams that have been successful?
0: Well, you've always got to be a good defensive side to progress deep into a tournament. That's the one thing you can't be malleable on. That's the one thing you can't... You can't get into, you know, a gunslinging type of game when you're expected to win four goals to three. You've got to be good at the back. Uh, Croatia, you've got to defend... Brilliantly, like they did against uh, Brazil. Uh, Brazil, you know, there was a real slice of luck that went against Brazil. It's it's a shot on goal that hits a defender and goes past Ellison and goal. So, um, you know, the gods weren't smiling on them at that front. So you you need to be very good at uh, defensively. That That's your first and foremost. If, if you don't concede, you can get through to the quarterfinals. Morocco have conceded one goal at this tournament, which was an own goal. Um, Spain had all that possession, complained mightily at the end of the game. Uh, but despite all that possession, they just passed the ball through the middle third of the uh, of the field, and are on the fringes, had two shots on target.
1: The the, so the biggest there's many ways wish. to skin
0: a cat. There's many ways to skin a, scat, skin a cat in the sport, and that's what makes it so brilliant. Is you you just can't predict, and there's been so much late drama at this tournament, um, as emphasised by the Dutch's goal eleven minutes into added time to make it to all today.
1: The, the biggest question out there at the moment, though, Daniel, is surely is it coming home?
0: World Cup final tomorrow morning. There you go. I'll stick my neck out. The World Cup final is tomorrow morning. Whoever wins between France and England wins the World Cup.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Uh, I mean, England, they always have Disagree a great with follow. Me.
0: Disagree with me, audience? Fight me. Fight me on double eight, double three. Go on. I challenge you. Although we've got to get into a break at bang on half past 10. Grant, we've, uh, there's a number of cricketing topics we want to rip into. Uh, how should we order these? We've covered off Warner a little bit, so we could probably uh, you know, move on. Well, what's top of our agenda for our um, swinging both ways segment after the break?
1: Oh, I think, I think we need to speak about that, that test win from uh, Brendan McCallum's England team in Pakistan. It was phenomenal. I, uh, last week... We spoke about um, there was going to be an aggressive declaration because England needed to win. And um, there was an aggressive declaration. So I think we can there, talk there about was. that. Some people are talking about it being the best test match of all time. Yeah, it was uh, brilliant theatre for sure.
0: Uh, all right, hold there. After the break, it will be swinging both ways with uh, PGG rights and Turf. Uh, as we head to the break, 109 minutes into this game, Netherlands-Argentina now into the second half of extra time. It remains... The Netherlands 2, Argentina 2. Back after this break. 24 minutes away from 11 o'clock as a shot from eight yards out. Fizzes by the right hand upright. Argentina knocking on the door, but no one's letting them in. It remains two all between Argentina and uh, the Netherlands. It's into the second half of extra time. 114 minutes have been played. A reminder, the Cancer Society Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz. Time for Swinging Both Ways, Grant Elliott. Our cricketing segment with uh, PGG Rights and Turf, key suppliers of New Zealand cricket grounds. A couple of um, text messages, a bit of reaction to our take on the David Warner one. Uh, Our good mate Jace from Australia writes, um, Daniel Grant, surely it's time to move on and uh, cannot rewrite history, but uh, we can learn never to allow something like that to happen again. Appreciate that, Jason. Um, Hard to move on when a guy's banned for life, right? Literally, you can't move on because it's for life. Um, and I think I've laboured that point. While Mike writes, Warner, I don't believe the spin. It's a case of leopards and spots. He deserves everything he gets. Uh, as for the misses and his agent, geez, writes Mike.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that I, I'm with Jason. Like, just bury it and move on. I mean, otherwise, the lesson here for Cricket Australia is just come out with it from the start. And just be as transparent as you can when something happens. And I think that this is just going to linger on. There's been controversy around, you know, Tim Payne as well when he was captain. So uh, it, it's not nice as a as a team when you're playing cricket. They're playing West Indies at the moment. And there's all this fuss around, um, you know, the, the team and what they've done rather than the game itself. But I tell you, part of the um, the best the best publicity that uh, has been recently has been on the Brendan McCullum's England team. Uh, You know, Pakistan, for those of you that didn't know, England scored 657 in the first innings um, and then declared, they said, well, Pakistan got 579 in reply. It looked like it was (laughs) heading to draw.
0: Oh, draw! Every other game in in the history of cricket with scores like that. I I, I have not done the research, I would guess, when you get 600 plays 500, very rarely, if ever, you'd get a result.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, when you see a, a player of the match in Ollie Robinson, because England declared at 264, um, and they they left uh, Pakistan in excess of, you know, around that 350 mark, it was 342 from memory, and Ollie Robinson was man of the match with one for 72, four for 50, and a 37. So it, the, take the runs out of it because, I mean, you know, everyone scored runs on that deck. It was, uh, you know, flat as a pancake, the Raul Pindi Highway. And, um, you know, the, the the aggressive declaration, this is what the World Test Championship has done to test cricket, is that people are playing for wins now. They're playing for points. England was sitting at sixth um, in, in the, the World Championships now. They needed to win. Um, and Pakistan, I think, we were, we were fifth. So, um Huge win for Brendan McCullum in that. A lot of people, a lot of haters out there were saying his brand of cricket is not going to survive in the subcontinent. And um, I think he's proven that wrong. And England are coming to New New Zealand.
0: It wasn't a a dust bowl, though, was it?
1: No, it wasn't a dust bowl, but it was one of those wickets that was hard to score. You bowled wicket to wicket. You're looking for reverse swing, LBW. Um, The the seamers were the ones that actually became dangerous on it because it was more about reverse swing. So the seamers were reverse swinging it. Um, you know, you've got Ollie Robinson who bowls away swing, but, um, you know, that that's so handy when the ball's reversing because then your natural yeah. shape becomes in swing and brings the, the wickets into play.
0: It was just amazing that all three options were on the table heading into the final session. After, you know, close to 1,200 runs have been scored in the first innings of the game. Normally, um, if you're going to get a result, it's a third innings collapse, isn't it? And you you might, or um, there's a huge total, 350 is a huge total chasing in fourth innings of a a cricket test. And, you know, a, a team wins comfortably. But you head into that final session, I think Pakistan were five down. And then there was a meltdown. You know, bang, 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 a collapse um, on a surface where it has only been runs, it was truly extraordinary. Um, so, so bravo to England. Uh, someone writes a question here. Morning boys, have Baz and Stokes, Stokesy misread the pitch um, in the second test, playing four seamers on a bunsen burner, or will it reverse and it be a master stroke? Go on, Grant, answer that one, knowing full well that you're on the uh, uh, on the turps last night and you probably didn't see any.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get it up on the screen. They wouldn't let me. The DJ wouldn't let me. Well, uh, Pakistan 107 for two at the moment. England bowled out for 281. I think when you go to Pakistan, and um, this is in Multan, this test, I've been to Karachi, and and uh, Lahore, and, and the pitches they look like they're going to spin, but they can be really flat as well. Very difficult wickets to um, to try and decipher, and also because there hasn't been a lot of cricket played there now, so. Captains are going to be working it out as more and more cricket gets played in um, in Pakistan. I know that they've been looking at dropping pitches, Pakistan, as well, uh, for you know one-day cricket and, and also their test cricket to try to get more consistency. But I think that there would have been a, a lot of words said about the the state of the last pitch. And I know were, everyone said it was way too flat at the start of the test match, but proved to be one of the better test matches because of an aggressive declaration. Yes. So both, both these teams are going to be there to win. I think Pakistan need to try and play on on wickets that do turn a mile. And that's what India do. And that's the beauty of test cricket. You come to New Zealand, it's going to be green. It's going to seam. It's going to swing. Good luck in those conditions. But when you go to the subcontinent, it's going to spin miles. And you're going to have to cope with it.
0: Yeah, well, Abra Ahmed on debate, debut took 7 for 114. Uh, England were 117 for 1, slumped to be all out for 281. Uh, and as Grant points out, 107 for the loss of uh, two. On the last kick of the game between Argentina and the Netherlands, hits the post, Grant, and goes away for a corner. We will take a break. We might have a penalty shootout to go to after this. Uh, In the interim, though, that was uh, swinging both ways, your cricketing program on this uh, fine broadcast each and every Saturday, brought to you by PGG Rights and Turf, uh, premium suppliers of turf, seed, and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Back after this. 13 minutes away from 11 o'clock. has finished to all after extra time between the Dutch and Argentina. We are going to penalties. Let's take some live commentary. Hopefully we can fit it in. We've got about six or seven minutes before we take a break. Remember, live uninterrupted commentary on the SENZ app. Let's cross to our commentary team. Virgil van Dijk to take the first penalty. The Dutch captain up against Emi Martinez. It's uh, knockout stage, quarter-final stage. Let's cross to our team. First, the whistles are cascading down from the Argentinian fans
2: onto Virgil van Dijk, the captain of his nation, the captain of the Oranje, the captain of Netherlands. Has his penalty saved! Emiliano Martinez flies across to his right and stops the first penalty. Van Dijk denied.
3: Wowee. What a save. Fully outstretched. The captain steps up. And he couldn't do it for his nation. And now the little maestro steps up for the Arjos. What a start,
2: Jordan. So, Lionel Messi is about to play a part in his own World Cup destiny. This shootout will probably decide his World Cup future. It could be his last World Cup. Lionel Messi. It could be his last game if this doesn't go right for Argentina. Messi steps up. Left foot rolls it down the middle and holds his arms out to the crowds. In triumph, Messi scores the first penalty for Argentina. It's 1-0 Argentina after one kick each
3: as you like. He just rolled that into the bottom of the net as he did the first one in the game. Like he was having a kick with his son in the park. <laughs> Here you go, just tap it in. Steven Berghouse is next up for the Dutch. He's been immense since
2: coming on. Left-footed strike. It's saved again! Emiliano Martinez has stopped both of the Netherlands penalties. How about these goalkeepers at this World Cup in penalties?
3: The Amazing. Netherlands are 0 from 2. Amazing. And he's lapping it up, and so he should be. He picked the right way again. Oh. Strong hands palmed it out. That was hit with power, Jordan. So Van Dyke missed,
2: Berghaus missed. Both saved by Emiliano Martinez. Next penalty here for Argentina. To make it a 2-0 leads. Leandro Paredes stutters up and he puts it into the side netting, hit it with authority
3: and makes it 2-0 for Argentina. One foot in the semi-final, Jordan. Great penalty. Great penalty. Assured, powered position. Placement. This needs to go in now for the Dutch. This is a must. Placement was perfect to the inside. Netting on the left
2: side. Right out of the reach of the goalkeeper. Even Andris Moppet. Over two metres tall. Couldn't reach that. And yes... The Dutch have to score this one to keep themselves alive. If they miss and Argentina score the next one, it'll be Argentina. Tankoat Miners steps up and scores. Big penalty for the Netherlands. Left-footed shot down the right side as he views it, Tankoat Miners. And he gets the first one in the back of the net for the Netherlands.
3: Yeah, nice penalty. A lot of pressure on him. Stepped up and slaughtered it away. Beautiful penalty.
2: So it's 2-1 to Argentina. The Netherlands have taken three kicks, Argentina have taken two. And now it's Gonzalo Montiel. Surely there's another twist, Jordan. <laughs> He's going to miss the next game, Montiel, but he can play his part in this one. Montiel strides up and he puts it down the right sides. And Argentina are edging closer they can sense it now
3: they're nearly there nearly there again great penalty sent the keeper the wrong way
2: the netherlands have to score this one big responsibility now on vout Veghorst, the man who kept the netherlands alive he scored two goals in this game to take us to where we are right now. He must score this one, otherwise, it's all over. Veghorst, he does. He scores wonderfully. Sitting the keeper the wrong way and puts it into the open left side of the Nets. And the Dutch
3: live on. And that's his hat trick, Jordan. <laughs> yes, it is. Congrats to the young man. He's had a fantastic game contribution. So uh, I'm lost now. Argentina score, they win.
2: That is I correct.
3: Think, yeah. Yep. They score and they're in. They're in. It's
2: 3 2 to Argentina. These are the fourth kicks. Argentina are three from three. And this is their fourth. And it's going to be Enzo Fernandez, the young gun whose star has risen at this World Cup. He has made a name for himself. He's only playing game number eight for La Albi Celeste. This is the kick for Argentina. To send them into the semi-finals. Enzo Fernandez slides across to his left, opens up the angle, stutters up and he's missed. Fernandez has missed. He's hit it wide of the left posts.
3: and the Dutch still see a glimmer. No words. missed the target completely. Keeper's gone the right way, but he's missed the target. Jordan, I need a recalibration. Where we sit now? So Dutch score? They're on level terms or not? If they score, it's
2: level. If they miss this, it's Argentina who get through.
3: So they need to score, and then Argentina can still win it with the last penalty. Yes. Luke de Jong steps up, has to score, and he does. Oh, my goodness. Luke de Jong has put it into the left side of the (laughs) net. I can't watch. So the Arjos can still win it with this last penalty? They have to. So All this right. is the fifth and final
2: penalty. Oh, man. The Dutch have taken <laughs> their five, and they've scored three of them. Argentina have taken four. Oh, no. And scored three of them. So now it is this kick. It is this kick for Lotaro Martinez. Oh. I'm not going to say anything. Mind games already as Andres Noppet comes up, delivers Martinez the ball himself. The Dutch goalkeeper just playing a few mind games. Some Argentinian players can't bear to look. Lutardo Martinez, the striker for Argentina. He scores! And the blue and white dream is still alive! Argentina have survived the orange scare, but they have sent the Netherlands home. And it's Argentina into the final four of the World Cup. Martinez scores the ultimate winner, and for the Netherlands, it's the ultimate heartbreak. And Lionel Messi's dream of winning the World Cup is still alive.
0: At the end of 120 minutes, it was two all. Jordan Kneelis and uh, crew calling at the action from the quarter final between the Dutch and Argentina. It Finished two all after 90. Uh, sorry, after 90 minutes. Indeed, the Dutch are coming from two nil down to score late on uh, the first and the 84th, um, and then into uh, deep into added time they made it two all. Went through to penalties, and Argentina holding their nerve. They are through alongside Croatia to the semi finals. The Dutch joined the Brazilians in departing. Uh, it is just shy of three minutes away from 11. Back after this, one minute after 11 a.m. on a Saturday. This is the Saturday session. I'm Daniel McCarty. I'm depressed. This is Grant
1: Elliott. Oh, Daniel, I was. I mean, I was 20 seconds behind you, so I could see on your video the animation. I knew what was happening, but when um, sorry, I opened I- it. No, no, you didn't at all. Because uh, I still didn't know whether it was a good or bad thing. I didn't know, um, you know, whether you were just enjoying the game of football. But I'm uh, listening to the commentators, and they said um, a game of football that has felt like it's gone on forever, and it's the yeah. shame. You can see the, the Dutch players—they're just—they're absolutely distraught. I just feel penalties is just such a harsh way of going out of a tournament when you played so well. Find me an alternative.
0: Yeah. I don't want to pick on you here, Grant, but find me an alternative. And if anyone's got an alternative, double eight, double three, um, there is something masochistic about it. I, I enjoy penalty shootouts. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people enjoy penalty shootouts. Is it, is it fair? Well, it's a football activity. It's better than drawing lots. It's better than Senegal getting eliminated at the group stage four years ago on fair play because the team got more yet less yellow cards than they did. I, I, I don't know. What, do you want to play on and on and on forever? You can't broadcasters wouldn't have that. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair to the players to play in what they're still playing in 26 degrees heat at 10 o'clock at night in uh, Doha. Um, Yeah. I I think it's the only solution. Is it fair? Probably not. Life's not
1: fair. I quite like the, uh, the,
0: via penalties and the Dutch are now gone.
1: I quite like the rugby one that we've spoken about on the show where, um, if it goes to, you know, the kicks where you've got to kick, straight in front of the goals to the right of the field and then to the left of the field? Isn't that how it works? Yeah, but it never gets there.
0: It it never gets to that, or never is a strong word. Very, very rarely um, does it ever get that far because, to my point I made earlier, Grant, um, in a game of rugby, um, if you tend to have great field position, um, you tend to be rewarded with pressure um, via a penalty, and you can kick a, a penalty. Not the case in football. You've got to put the ball in the back of the net, um, which is quite hard, especially at uh, this level. So, um, tut lata, the Netherlands,
1: tut later. <laughs> lata. Lata, youngers. But for those listeners yeah, that have seen it, you do need to watch the, uh, the Argentinian uh, goalkeeper. Oh, my word. That was... Two of the most athletic saves I've ever seen. Full stretch, horizontal to the ground and just pushing it past the post. It was unbelievable athleticism from him. He's a big unit, is Emi
0: Martinez. Great saves, you're right. Uh, you know, very strong to his right to save the first one. Oh, Van Dijk, Burkhouse missing the second. and The Dutch were chasing it, really, and the penalties after that. Uh, he then whipped off his shirt, Emi Martinez, to reveal two of the biggest areola I've ever seen in my life. Um... The nipples on that man, quite extraordinary. You could land a <laughs> helicopter. You could land a helicopter on his chest.
1: You could wave it just
0: here. You could either land here on the right or here on the left. They're capable of holding. So well done to him. Uh, quickly, let's look at sporting headlines. Yep, Croatia threw after beating Brazil uh, on penalties 4-2. And uh, Argentina, as you've just heard here on SCNZ, have uh, eliminated uh, the Netherlands, via a penalty shootout, uh, they will meet in the uh, semi-finals. Meantime, the All Black Sevens have been stunned. Uh, 14 points to 10 by Spain. Espana, indeed, in the opening game of the Cape Town Sevens. Uh, Spain scored two converted tries against two unconverted efforts by a New Zealand side. Down a man after Tong Nisu was sent off. Ah, context. Uh, the Black Fern Sevens had a more successful day. a 31-7 win over Brazil to kick off their campaign. And Pakistan league spinner Abra uh, Ahmed took a sensational seven wickets on debut to help bowl England out for 281 on the first day of the second test in Multan. The 24 year old took advantage of a pitch offering uh, turn to record seven for 114, the best figures by any spinner on test debut for 14 years. Uh, Pakistan captain Babra Zahm remains ominously poised on 61 not out. At stumps, he added 56 with uh, Shaquille. Uh, who attacked in his 32-not-out as the host closed at 107 for the loss of two, still 174 runs behind. Uh, Shortly here on the Saturday session, time for our Saturday session legend segment. And boy, do we have a legend for you, listeners. Don't we, Grant? Legend in every sense of the word meaning.
1: I don't think we've even mentioned to our listeners uh, the treat that we are going to bring them, but we are going to bring them. Eric Murray, Eric Gordon Murray, um, who's obviously a retired rower now, but um, gold medalist, and probably, is he one of our most decorated um, rowers of all time, Daniel? Oh, for sure. It would
0: have to be, without having done any research on it. Uh, You know, arguably one of the most dominant sporting teams we've ever uh, seen compete. They had people running away from uh, their their division because they were that dominant. So we can't wait to pick the brain of uh, Eric Murray. Our Saturday session legend uh, coming up after this break. Think legendary here thinks Somerset Retirement Villagers. Yes, multiple world champion, multiple Olympic Games gold medalist Eric Murray after the break. 11 minutes after 11 o'clock, this is the Saturday session. My name is Daniel McCarty Grant. Elliot is in the mighty Hawks Bay on the road. On the lash after his Christmas party last night, but his bounce back, his bounce back ability needs to be applauded. Sexy little uh, husky tones to your voice, though, uh, Grant. This morning, a little bit dusty, but um, I know you strapped in for our next guest. Uh, the big man joins us, a man who had a big appetite for winning medals, so particularly gold ones, and a quite extraordinary rowing career. Eight World Championships, just a couple of, just a couple of Olympic Games gold medals as well, Grant. Uh, I'd imagine his um, I'd imagine his trophy cabinet's somewhat bigger than yours, Grant. Fair to say. I don't want to pick on you, but I'd
1: um, no, I got uh, we we did get a lot of spirit of cricket awards that are actually <laughs> that's
0: right, the spirit of cricket.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. The, the, spirit of the, the one everyone wants. Let's welcome in, of course, uh, one half of New Zealand, well, arguably one of the most dominant uh, sporting teams New Zealand's ever uh, seen. Eric Murray joins us on the programme. Good morning, Eric. Morning, Good morning, Eric. How are you? We are great. Where do we find you today? Because I understand, what. were you on a golf course yesterday?
4: Uh, I was. I was doing the Super 6 event with Foxy. Um, managed to see old John Key get his hole-in-one, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, no, good good fun. Good fun yesterday. But today I'm back in Cambridge and I am demolishing a couple of sheds on a property that I've bought that I need to uh clean up the section.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, there's there's no rest for the wicket. So John Key got a hole in one. So for the first time ever, athletes were going up to him to annoy him for a photo.
4: Oh well, see, um the few of the rugby boys, Will Jordan, Anton, uh, Leonard Brown and, and Damian McKenzie were playing with it and Anton goes it's probably got to be one of the highlights of my life because he said it's just amazing, like to actually see a hole in one, and you know they're playing with Ryan Fox at the time. Um, he was just like, it was amazing. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and of course John, um, he's played golf shit, for however long, and he's never ever had a hole in one. You know, it's one of these stories of people that have been on the golf course their whole life, and you hear all these people five, ten hole in ones, and then people are like, never had one. You know, and John Key was one of those people until yesterday. So. I don't know how he ended up last night, but he'd probably be a bit more dustier than old Grant, for sure.
1: Well, Eric, I want to ask you, though, because it is actually um, customary to, um, to buy the whole um, bar a drink, isn't it? Everyone at the, at the course uh, has to be bought by the person getting the hole-in-one. Did John Key actually buy you around?
4: Uh, Well, I think because it was an event, I think the Bears were already free anyway, so it probably uh, negated that fact for him, but uh, I'm sure he'll still be celebrating on that right now. And I think, you know, it's one of these things to to get a hole in one for people, you know, in the golfing world. You know, it's pretty cool to do it, but of course, when you've got cameras and everything else on you and you've got a massive group, I reckon that takes it to a completely different level again.
1: Well, um, I, w- I want to ask you because I mean our listeners are going to be absolutely salivating to listen your about your story and how you reached the peaks that you did. speaking about John Key, he probably thinks, "Oh, maybe I could have been a professional golfer." Now, for you, you were at Pukekohe High School, and you decided that you wanted to go uh, with a friend to the Mercer Rowing Club because they advertised an open day. Is is that true? Just to get fit for rugby? Pretty much. Pretty much
4: yeah yeah pretty much. um I think at the time you know Rowan was you know we're talking shit, mid mid nineties <laughs> um you know that was that was just sort of uh Ryan, like it wasn't even on my radar, you know, I was playing cricket um when I was at school and rugby and and i and I sort of wasn't enjoying cricket as much, and you know just didn't wasn't making teams or anything, so I was like, oh, I'll need something else to get me fit for rugby. Uh, and yeah, they pretty much get an assembly and go, hey, who wants to come down to the rowing club? And we thought, oh yeah, might as well give that a go. And then one thing leads to another and you try and rowing and then just sort of carry on it as a sport over the summer period. And uh, pretty much did that for three or four years until I left school and carried it on into the club scene. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it started. Um, and it just soon became quite obvious that I was better at rowing than I was at rugby. So sort of leads you down <laughs> that path.
0: Well, well, how soon after is it? Is it from being a novice, literally the, the first time you're in a boat, or you no. know, did it take oh, a couple no, of I'm years? For, oh, for sure, it probably
4: uh, three. Took took two seasons till we were a lot like. First season was terrible, um, but I enjoyed it. So second season we went back and we weren't losing. We were making a few finals and winning the occasional sort of preliminary race. And you're like, shit, this is fun. Um, and then it wasn't until sort of the third year at school that we started winning some medals. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a rapid rise. Um, I wouldn't say I was naturally talented at it. It was just something that you were like, hey, I, I'm enjoying this. I, I, I go to schools now and I cook the kids and I'm like, honestly, what's the easiest way to get kids into rowing? Hey, guys, you're going to get a couple of weeks off school. Uh, and everyone's like, right, yeah. <laughs> and out. And that's basically, that's basically what I was like.
0: I well,
1: I, You know, everyone that we have on the show, Eric, the, from our Legends chat, they talk about the passion that they have for the sport, and normally starts at a young age. We, you, you're quite different in that regard. Um, was was it something that when you tried, you thought, wow, like, I actually love being in the water. This is something that um, I haven't had that, that feeling before, where you've got that desire to just be possibly the best in the world, which you eventually um, achieved
4: yeah i i guess when you when you look at the passion that came from it it wasn't until you know you you sort of commit to it and you and you start getting better and you you start getting this feeling for the boat and, and all the other bits that come with it so for me i probably didn't feel that till i was you know 17 18 when i'd sort of left school and then you sort of watch the men doing it you know because at that stage i'm i'm still basically a teenager i'm like and you get in a boat with, you know, fully grown men in their 20s and 30s, and you're just like, holy shit, you know, this is a different level, you know, there's a lot of power. Um, and so for me, it wasn't until you get to that stage and you you row with the guys, you know, I was lucky enough, I was down in Christchurch, I row with a few of the guys that came back from the Sydney Olympics, and and you're just like, holy shit, like, they've got to that point by, you know, committing to it and doing all the stuff. So theoretically, I can do the same. And so then you basically just go, right, let's see how long it's going to take me to get to that point. And... And for me, I wasn't even thinking about the Athens Olympics at that stage. I was just like, let's just see how well I can go. And, you know, maybe maybe uh, 2008. But, you know, as it, as it became part and, and became obvious, you know, you're in an academy and in a development program and next one thing leads to another and you're producing the times that are good enough and you're winning races against all the men. And you're like, should I I could make this. Um, and that's really where it, it becomes an obsession. <laughs> And then, as like anything, you know, and you basically just sit there and see how far you can push it.
0: It's such a hard work sport, isn't it? You do the yards, you can, uh, you know, reap serious rewards. So I think it's about five years after you leave high school, you go to your first Olympics, it's about eight years in total, isn't it, from leaving high school to, to winning your first um, uh, world championship in, in 2007. Is that progression through all the hard work linear, or is there a breakthrough at some stage when, when you finally do crack it? How would you describe that evolution to actually com- competing oh. at the top?
4: Yeah, it's like you can you can get to the you can get competing at the top relatively easy, and you can get some success relatively quickly. Um, but then it's consistency, you know, and being able to back it up. You know, you 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 go to an event and you might win your heat, and you're like, oh, you're beauty, but you've had to give it 100%. Um, and then of course, when it comes time for a semi-final and a final, you've just got no more energy, right? So you're sort of like, okay, well now we're not we're not in the final, we're back at the B final, whatever. Um, and so yeah, it, it does take a little bit of time to start and get the understanding for what needs to be done and the speed, and, it, and it's and it's a sort of progression that takes, you know, and, and you talk about these finding the 1% and all that sort of stuff. You know, we're, we're trying to find 1% year on, year out. You know, and that's, it's it's it seems like such a <laughs> minuscule amount, but it's so big when you come to a sporting terms, especially like when, you know, 1% two and a half seconds and you're like, shit, that's a lifetime in most sports. Um, And so, yeah, it was just a progression through learning how to, to row properly. And I know that sounds like a complete boxing moron type of situation, but, yeah. you know, we had to learn how to do it properly. Um, and once we started being able to do that, we started getting some results, you know, and we, we got some results. We won the four in 2007, but we just a uh, classic example of, you know, find, finding success or stumbling across it. And we couldn't replicate that. So you go into the Olympic Games not knowing what was making you good in the first place, trying all this different crap, and then just falling short at the, at the final hurdle, which was us. Um, and that basically led us into the path to, to getting into the pair together.
1: Eric, um, at what stage, I don't know if you're uh, a, a goal-orientated um, athlete, but m- most athletes, I guess, look at something and they go, right, I want to achieve this height. Did you have any goals in mind um, w- when you when you started out? Did you have an idea of how many medals you wanted to win? Oh,
4: no, 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 no. None of, none of the success stuff was, I, like, I wanted to go, like, first and foremost, you want to go to the World Champs. Um, and then of course you're like shit. I want to get a medal. You don't really give a shit about the colour, um, you know. And then obviously it's like let's go to the Olympics. And then once you get a taste for it, you your your expectations change. So I think it's one of these things where you can have a hope for a for a goal, right? You know, most most hope, most goals are hopes. I hope I make it here. I hope I can do this. I hope I can jump this 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 far or jump or run this fast. Um, But you start getting a realistic expectation of your capabilities. And you're actually like, you know what, I'm not that far off. Um, And so then those goals start slightly changing and and, and you adapt them a little bit. And so for us, you know, yeah, we can do 2000 meter tests on the rowing machine, but it's not until you get on the water and you're racing against the other competition that you actually start to get a realization of, of how quick you can be or you need to be. Um, and so that just takes um, experience, you know, practice and sending people overseas and, and having development programs. And, you know, that's what was we were very, very lucky about with Lake Carapero. We had a, a great program that develops people like Robert Dell and then Eberswindells and then us, you know, and we were just one of these cogs in the wheel. And it's a reason really why you've seen, Ryan, New Zealand be so successful for, what, two decades? Um,
2: because yeah. we
4: had that production line of people that were coming through and we were, one of these ones on the ranks that were like, Hey, we've got all the facilities. Here's everything you need. What do you guys want to achieve? And and we found a combination between us. that was like, right, do you want to win? Yep. I want to win. Yep. And then let's go for it. And that's basically where, where it starts.
0: Uh, Eric Murray is our Saturday session. Legend, Uh, extraordinary success alongside Hamish. Of course, uh, we, we, people know the success you've had. Um, but what about the relationship? Was it, you know, like a match made in heaven like Grant and a bar together? Like from day one, did you have to work on it? Um, was there immediate success? You know, the formation of a, of a true partnership, you know, how do you describe that?
4: Yeah, so Hamish and I rode together when we were in the four. Um, and so we had a few years in the four where we were rowing with a whole lot of other people. Um and, and once we got in the pair together, we were like, okay, we, we need both of us, you know, and begrudgingly, Hamish says it and I say it as well. You know? Okay, obviously it's a bit of a joke, but like I couldn't have done this without Hamish and he couldn't have done it without me. Even if you cloned one of us, he's like, I still don't think I could have done it without you. And, and I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we just found something that worked. And one of the biggest things we, we clicked onto very, very early on is that. You've just got to, you've got to trust and you've got to believe in one another. And I know it's a very, very simple thing to say, and people are like, yeah, but it's very difficult. It is isn't it isn't, right? It's like if you're doing the work and you don't have to question somebody else's ability and you don't have to say, come on, pal, you're late all the time or, you know, why'd you cut that set short or anything like that, as long as you don't need to do that, you're pretty much onto a winning combination. And that's basically what we had. So Hamish believed he was the best <laughs> I believed I was the best, <laughs> and so you basically bring us, the two of us Brilliant. together, and we're trying to outwork each other, and we're like, okay, let's, let's give this a whirl, and so when it came time for, like, you know, if you, if you think about hierarchy or other bits, pieces in our boat, we didn't have a leader, okay, so we were both just equal partnership, um, if Hamish brought ideas to the table, I'd be like, cool, if you think that's going to make us faster, awesome, and if I said, I think we need to be doing this, Hamish would be like, cool, if you think that's going to make us faster, um, and, and because at the end of the day, both of us wanted to win. You know, I, I wouldn't say we both wanted to achieve what we achieved because that's pretty, I don't think it'll ever be repeated in our lifetime. Um, no. But of course, we just wanted to win. And so that was, that was basically where it started and where we wanted it to go to. Uh, and, and we did it because we knew that we needed one another. We knew that we needed to trust one another. Um, and I think that trust worked very, very well. And, you know, we can see what happened through our whole career.
1: Eric, uh, one thing that no one really talks about with rowing is, is there discussion during the race or you're just you you're too focused on um, obviously getting that heart rate up and doing what you need to do? Because, you know, in cricket, with a partnership that you've got, when you see someone losing concentration in the middle, you normally, you know, you'll try and get them focused and, and maybe have a word to them. Um, is there any of that, like either pre-race, during the race or post-race that you, you have a discussion about?
4: Oh, all our our stuff comes down to preparation. You know, ideally, you know how a race is going to go before you even get onto the start line because you're like, you know what, we've been growing well, our speed's there. Um, Yeah, we're going to have to race other people that are in the race, but we pretty much know it. So we've got a plan of what we're trying to do. You know, like we'll go out fast, we'll, we'll, we'll do a certain amount for a certain time and then... And we'll focus on different parts of the course, because once you get through sort of halfway,
2: you,
4: you actually in, in a rowing race, believe it or not, you actually start slowing down quite rapidly. So it doesn't look like it on screen, but your split times per 500 start getting slower and slower and slower. So for us, it was like we want to minimize that fade. And so that was really where our focus came. But you don't have time to talk. There's no time for a conversation. It's one or two words like clean finish or you know sharp catch or push or whatever it is one word because they no like you're just working you're at, you're doing 38 strokes a minute um, your heart rate is sub maximal and you're just focused on I'm trying to keep the boat straight uh, everything else is going on. <laughs> So there's just so much going on, and so it seems like it's such a, a long race, being six and a half minutes long, which is pretty much an average time in a pair. But I'll tell you what, I, I could if I sat here for six and a half minutes, I'd be like, no way, that race went way quicker than that. Um, you know, and that's it. You know, it's all about the practice and the preparation, and and I truly believe, you know, when when you hear athletes saying, oh, I hope it goes well. You know, oh, I might need a bit of luck you don't know how well you're going. You don't know what you're capable of achieving. Whereas we could sit there and go, look, it's going to be tough today. We've got a couple of really good competitors that have gone fast in their pre-rounds. But I still think that if we do our best, we're going to be slightly faster. Um, And and you've got to be able to do that to have the confidence going into those races. And there were a few races where we've been injured or sick or whatever, and I'll be like, look, you know, we're just going to have to see how it goes today because I don't think we're at the level that we should be. Um, And and that's why, as an athlete, I think one of the best tools you can have um, in your toolbox is is knowing your capabilities and, and having a realistic expectation.
0: Interesting, really fascinating. But I'd like to know, what's the chatter like before a race against your competitors? Because you and Hamish had so much dominance. People were leaving, weren't they? They they were going off to to get into different crews. (laughs) You You must have walked out with such a swagger Who's getting second, boys? Who's getting second oh, today? Like, on, like, You must have on. felt that there was none of that. Because like, I'd imagine you would have got to a lot of start lines going, we've got these. We've got these guys. You look look them in the eye and you oh, knew. You knew yep, they, they yep. could not compete if you were anywhere near your best.
4: Uh, yeah, 100%. And, and that was, you know, like, I love, and, and it's obviously quite poignant, you know, with Sir Murray's passing, but I don't know if you've ever heard mm. the story about him and Rome, you know, and he talks about going into the, into the um into the room, into their like collection room or whatever you call it. And um and he said no one could hold eye contact. And he was just like the, you know, all yeah. I had to do was beat eleven scared men. You know, and, and basically it's no different in rowing, is that you look across and someone catches your eye and they turn away straight away. And I'm like, okay, everyone's on form. But I, I I don't know if it's just rowing or if it's I'm I'm not sure if it's just our sport in particular but uh, I I never found there was like a lot of arrogance or there was a lot of like pre-game right. by anyone saying oh we're going right. to kick your ass today and all that. And one thing we always did, and I and I and and I am, and like any athlete or anyone I talk to is like you just you can't you can't take for granted your your other competitors. You know you you can't you can't just go oh it's okay we beat them yesterday we should be able to beat them again today because you just never know. You know like people can pull some pretty large rabbits out of some pretty small hats when time matters, you know, to win big competitions. And you see it at the Olympics all the time. You'll see a non-favorite that wins, and you'll be just like, holy shit, how'd they do that? But all they've done is they're like, I've got one race in me this year, and that's going to be it. And everything's focused down to that race. So we never took anyone for granted. Um, and, And that's, I think, one of the strengths, is that every time we went out there, we were like, they are not here to make up a number. They want to win just as much as we do. So we have to give them the respect that they deserve. And and that was probably one of the keys.
1: Eric, what drove you? I mean, you know, for those listeners, I, I've seen rowers when, you know, growing up in school, I used to see how hard they trained and that wasn't even professional. And the, the sort of anguish and pain that you go through with your body to have done it for as long as you, you did do it. <laughs> Uh, what 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 drove you every season to go? Can't wait to get on that erg again and just get rolling.
4: Yeah, I oh mate, I don't know. Sometimes myself, to be fair, uh, yeah, you you do like you question your resolve every now and again because you're just like I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm sore, I've I got no money. I'm so, like it was just you know, but you'd have to be like why? Like you'd have to ask yourself the why's. And for us, you know. It's quite easy in an Olympic sport because your why is four years, okay? So you can commit and be like, okay, you know, I've got the Olympics, like, you know, if they were this year, you're like, you finish the Olympics and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the next one. So you, you know where your life's going to be for that four years. Mm. So when even when times are tough and when shit's hitting the fan and you're like, ugh, you, you sort of, you go, it's okay, I've got time, I've got four years, Um, And I think that that's one thing, you know, you you look at time can be on both sides. You know, it can be very good because you've got time. But then on the other side, it's like, but if I'm not prepared, I'm I'm losing time, all that sort of stuff. Um, But we were just trying to be better than we could be each day, right? And, And I think that's one of the keys, is if you can try and find and squeeze out a little bit, go back to that 1%. You know, if you do a test on the rowing machine in December... And then you do another one in March, it's got to be better, you know, so it might only be better by half a second, it's still better, you know, and, and so those were the driving factors of just trying to be better all the time, um, mm. so that you could get over and, and, and at the end of the day, if you can make racing relatively more comfortable, you know, like, I wouldn't say easy, but like more comfortable so that you're not getting to the last two minutes going, holy, shit! you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the finish line. <laughs> if you can get to half a minute to go and be like, holy shit, I've got to get to the finish line, then that's a lot more comfortable and easier and mentally than it is the other side. Um, And so we were just trying to push the limits. We were trying to do it so that we could win races comfortably, um, you know, so that we would be like, you know what, we didn't have to go to those deep, deep, dark places, you know, that pit of despair that you can get into every now and again. Um, and, And that was probably one of the crucial things that we made sure that training, training, in, in all sense, and I, and I hate saying it because it sounds really arrogant, but our training was far harder than most races we ever raced. You know, like the, the training races that we did against the clock or against our teammates in the double were far harder than a lot of the races we raced overseas because we were just really testing ourselves and putting ourselves under so much pressure and training so that when you came time to race, you were like, I, I know the pressure, I felt this, I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, And then there was just like, if you had that pressure in a race, you knew how to deal with it. And that's really just the whole preparation side coming out.
0: Uh, We like to drill down on certain races, but I don't know how you separate eight world titles. I don't know how you separate two (laughs) Olympic uh, gold medals from each other. Uh, If I'm to ask you, what's the best feeling you've had in a boat? How would you answer that?
4: (laughs) Best feeling uh, is when you pull into the dock and you get out at training. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, probably one of one of our most, I guess, one of the most satisfying victories we ever had. It was actually a turning point in our career. Was here in Karapiro in 2010. Uh, yeah. we, we just we, we went out into the race and and we we'd beaten everybody comfortably in all the pre rounds and we raced the semi final the day before against like our toughest rivals, this Great British Crew. And our whole race plan, stupidly enough, and okay, it's only our second year in the here, was like, let's just track the British, let's just make sure we counteract whatever they're doing. And we didn't go out there to race our own race; we were racing like everyone else, you know. And it was like, ah. And so in the end, we were we were tracking them. Five hundred gone, we're level. Thousand meters, we're level. Fifteen hundred, so we've got five hundred to go. There in front of us by like a second, and I'm like, holy shit, here we go. Um, and Hamish. <laughs> Hamish said afterwards, he goes at about 300 meters to go. I was writing my condolence speech to the media in my head because we were behind. We, like, we should we oh we, we should never have won that race. But the thing was, I think is a com- culmination of the British probably went a little bit too early um, in their sprint. They went before the 500, um, and we just knew it was home water, and so we went with 350 to go and of a 250 because I was like, if we don't go now, we're not going to make time. Um, and we got in front and we won by 0.3 of a second, you know. So it was very satisfying because it's home water. <laughs> and you're like, this hasn't been here since 1978. And I don't know when the hell the next time it'll be in New Zealand. Um, so it's super satisfying with that. But at the same time, that was never, ever going to happen in our career again. We, we made sure that we'd never, ever think about other people in a race until we were like, we'd get out in front, we'd do what we need to. And then it was like, you know, game over from that point.
0: Wow, hell, hell of an education at the top,
4: oh, yes, chasing sure.
0: gold at, at a world championship, you're learning all the time. Uh, Grant, I'm not sure if you've got any uh, any final ones for our legend.
1: Oh, I, I think there's, there is one final one. I want you to describe what it's like to row the half marathon that you did in an hour and seven minutes. <laughs> describe what you your body madman. went through. You
4: madman. <laughs> Well, see, this is what, you know, and we talked about it quite a bit here, right? Preparation and pushing your limits and and making training harder than than racing. And that there is probably harder than any sort of race situation I've ever been in, mentally and physically. Um, Because you're you're basically running out of steam from about 15 minutes into an hour and seven minute thing. And so you're basically going, how can I be efficient to to carry that on? Um, But of course, you know, there's world records to be beat. Um, you know there's a little bit of ego to be brushed by putting your results up online and people going how did he do that no way you know So it was just a matter of of when a physiologist or your trainer says to you oh you won't be able to do this you're like challenge you know like, like righto pal I'll show you what I can do and of course that was what we were after we wanted people to tell us what we couldn't do and then go about trying to do it and I think that's one of the keys you know if you it's like you know anyone there's records there they're there for a reason you know try and break them. And, and that's really the focus of what we, we tried to do was that any time anyone said we couldn't do this or this is going to be too much or I'm not sure if you can achieve that, it's like, righto, I'm, I'm ready for this, game on. Um, and so that was that. And so that half marathon, it was there was a world record there and we, we trained for it, we practiced for it and then pumped it out. And I've got to say, it's probably, it's up there with the top, top five hardest sessions or things I've ever done in my time and it took me at least two or three days to recover from because like i was so exhausted and the body was so run down um just from absolutely destroying yourself like an aaron aaron seven minutes and for uh, more than 50 minutes my heart rate was above 190. so put that into
2: perspective
0: that's crazy speaking (laughs) of demolishing i know i know you got a couple of sheds calling uh for, for your big guns to deal to those uh, congratulations on all of you achieved, all those titles, world titles, Olympic gold medals, commiserations on illness clearly robbing you of um, your, arguably your greatest uh, win <laughs> earlier this year, dancing with the stars. You would, you would have hosed the audience there. Uh, sorry, the, the rest of the field, no doubt. What, what, I, uh, what I want to finish on, uh, we like setting Grant Elliott challenges on this art program, and one of them is a rowing one. Uh, he wants to get oh, out yeah? on the water. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I, I think we should get him on an indoor rowing machine for um a full hour um what what would be what would be possible for grant elliott um as far as how many k's he could do in
1: one hour uh
4: one hour uh let me try and do the math in my head Ten. Um, i won't
1: be doing an hour don't do the maths oh, no, i will not oh, be doing on, an no. hour eric I, I think you can give me um maybe under 10 minutes or 10 minutes maybe max
0: no No, a full hour, because I'm pretty sure Eric's done almost close to 19K, haven't you? You've done nearly 19K in an hour, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, yeah,
4: yeah, pretty, yeah, just under. So, but I'll tell you what, if Grant, if he ever wants to have a challenge, one of probably the, arguably the hardest sort of fitness test in the world is a 2K 2K test on the row machine, right? So you've got to do 2K as fast as you can. The problem is if you go out too hard, you're going to blow, and then you're going to be in a huge pit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, or if you, but if you don't go out hard enough, you're never going to get a time, and you'll be disappointed. So it's a really, really mental and physical battle.
1: Okay, challenge Bonzo accepted. Two, two Ks. Good man. Um,
0: Good man. That's better than an hour, isn't it, Grant? As you're staring at an hour, Eric. It's been a joy having you on the program, mate. Um, always such great uh, energy uh, and wonderful stories uh, that you've shared. Um, we can't wait to catch uh, up with you down the line because. It's still fair to say you're a sports nut these days, um, and maybe maybe on the on the challenge tour one day playing golf, you never know. I doubt it,
4: but no, love my golf. Um, yeah, just uh, really enjoy getting out there with mates and, and enjoying myself for sure.
1: Thanks, Good Eric. Fantastic. Eric Murray, thanks
0: for your time. Thanks, guys. Our Saturday session legends in association with Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz. You just imagine him just going up to those sheds and pushing them over, can't you, Grant? Just like... <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean... <laughs> just, like push, just push to... them over, they're broken, they're down. one meter 96 and 98 kgs. Um, You know, he's probably unlucky to not play rugby, but the drive that he talks about, you can just hear it in his voice. Like, to do that, rowing. I mean, I, 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 I have the utmost respect for all rowers that have reached the heights that he has. You know, amazing guest
0: incredible career thanks uh, for his time 20 away from 12 back after this and it's quarter to 12 if you're just tuning in and want to know what's happened in the World Cup this morning of course SCNZ at home of the FIFA World Cup well two quarterfinals went to penalties Brazil eliminated by Croatia Croatia back to a semi-final incredible uh, effort by Croatia a country of under 4 million people 4 uh, 2 on penalties after it finished 1 all after extra time, both goals coming in extra time. It finished 2 all uh, after 90 minutes between uh, the Netherlands and Argentina, uh, but it was Argentina prevailing on a penalty shootout. Congratulations to them. A couple of text messages on the football grant. Nathan writes I don't think the Dutch were hard done by on penalties. They were clinging on to their fingernails for extra time. Uh, it would have been Argies that would have been robbed, uh, writes uh, Nathan. I don't know how you can be clinging on for extra time when you score 11 minutes into added time. Uh, They were were the ones chasing the game, but I I take your point and I agree with it. Uh, If you are in the who-deserve-to camp of sport, um, I think Argentina, uh, over the course of the game, were more likely and probably deserved it. I will agree, as I'm wearing a Dutch football shirt. That's as far as I'll go, Grant. Uh, Mikey has a solution for extra time uh, or avoiding penalties that you suggested, Grant. Lads, you could go into extra time and go to six or seven aside to open up the game.
1: Fair oh, the I like that. I like that. You just why a, don't we just
0: have seven aside rugby and rugby too, mate? Different sport, yeah, but, isn't it?
1: Yes, but penalties are decided by one person. Like, you, you look at Martinez, the, the goalkeeper. Unbelievable. You know the saves there that he made. Yeah. Whereas it is a team sport that gets you the draw. However, an individual decides the game with a penalty. So I I don't mind the whole five or six aside. No goalkeepers. Uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, no goalkeepers. Well, that would make it fascinating. Shooting from the halfway line. Uh, Croatia up against Jap- uh, France in the final. Unnamed texter. Thank you very much for your prediction. And uh, we talked about. Uh, well, I talked about my admiration for Croatia. Aside so that. Um, Play to these strengths. Know how to um, control the game. Even against a, a better opposition today, they were able to control long stretches of possession. Uh, didn't create much going forward. They didn't chase the game because they don't have much going forward as far as their attacking line, but their midfield and defence were brilliant. And uh, this message simply writes, Croatia is mentally and technically strong and play as a team. I uh, cannot deny that. Keep your messages rolling in to double eight, double three on the Timberbird post text machine back after this. Break. It is now eight minutes away from 12 o'clock. All right, Grant, Elliot's trying to give the audience uh, what they want, the quirky and the bizarre from the sporting world. We like to call it uh, the odd show. Uh, A long jumper and two officials from Albania, Grant, um, faced bans after they were accused of submitting false information uh, that helped an athlete get to the uh, Olympics in Tokyo. Yep, the Athletics Integrity Unit, insert laughter there, the Athletes Integrity Unit. Um, announced that had charged a long jumper, uh, Izmir large Yeah, I butchered his name. I'm really sorry, my friend. Uh, and also the Albanian um, Track Federation President and General Secretary uh, with the disp- disciplinary offences uh, over a competition held in Albania back in 2021, two months before the uh, Olympics. Uh, so the story goes, um, it, he was named competition winner with a national record of 8.16 metres, Grant. But at the olympics himself he only jumped seven meters 86 some suggestion he never jumped eight meters uh, at all um and he wasn't good enough to qualify for the olympics outright um so uh there's a tasty one for you well, that, and the albanian athletics community there you go i'm sure when you woke up this morning grant that's what you thought you were going to be talking about
1: yeah well my brother's actually living in albania i'll find out if he he's heard about this fella but it's amazing that you can just put in false times. Maybe we should do that, Daniel. We did have the Sudoku world championships, uh, where the Australian caller was the captain of Sudoku, uh, team. So we'll have to look at some world championships and you and I can enter. But in the NHL, we've got player Chris Lee Tang who returned to practice with the Pittsburgh penguins 10 days after having a stroke. The 35 year old defenseman is still listed as out indefinitely, but has taken major strides in his recovery since suffering the second stroke of his career. Lee Tang suffered a stroke in 2014 that kept him off the ice for about two months. At the time, the team said tests showed he was born with a very small hole in the wall of his heart.
0: Wow. That's quite something. The fortitude to come back, the bravery to come back. We, we all know I'm, I'm, I'm scared a scared little kitty cat.
1: I'd run for the hills,
0: wouldn't you? Wouldn't you grow? <laughs> Only well, I I def- noted hard men of international sport. Uh,
1: lack, lack heartilage. Um, y- y- hopefully the, the coach doesn't use frames, uh, phrases like you guys are not showing any heart out there.
0: Yeah. Well, it's all about the top two inches.
1: <laughs> yeah. Things like
0: that. Something like that. Brilliant stuff. That was the Ocho, the, the quirky and bizarre sporting stories you may have missed. For the record, my fastest 100 metre time is 8.6 seconds. <laughs> which, so which i which i did i did tomorrow there you go i've already put the time in the book
1: i've yet to run the race
0: but i know i'm going to run 8.6 seconds usain bolt move over buddy
1: well here's here's um, one for our listeners if you could falsify a time or a distance which race would it be that you would want yeah, to falsify well,
0: what event what event would you completely ruin by your cheating <laughs> uh, what, t- what time? You'd you'd like to run under a four minute mile? That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it?
1: Hundred meters and yeah. left in the dirt. It was so yeah. good. Uh,
0: keep, keep your nominations coming through for how um you know how do you separate teams uh, tied up at the end of extra time if it's not a penalty shootout? We've got some uh, weird suggestions coming through on that. We'll talk some football with uh David Wor- David World Cup Choate. Yeah, David Choate, the former All Whites, going to join us. Back on twelve o'clock. Anyone else sick of seeing the hood on every FIFA World Cup match? I'm sick and tired of the hood being on camera within two minutes. Who's the hood? What's well, Gianni Infantino, of course. Just Google image search, and you're welcome. Eps, they separated birth those two. One is a um, an animated slash puppety thing. The other one, I was in the Thunderbird. Oh, that. It was a pretty bad joke, wasn't it, Grant? I didn't even get a chuckle from you there, mate.
1: Well, I'm searching the hood. I actually, I don't, I've never heard of it. I haven't watched any unfortunate um, World Cup football, but you are. The The hood, um, Gianni Infantino,
0: is the doppelganger of the hood of the Thunderbirds.
1: Oh, I've got it now. Yes, I see him. Oh, my word. There's a splitting image. Great, (laughs) great (laughs) great (laughs) eyebrows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing (laughs) eyebrows. uh, you. Put them up. Go on, put those up on our socials. One image next to the other. You tell, you tell me if I'm wrong. You I will tell do that. You tell me if I'm wrong. Right, at the top of the hour, let's update the sporting headlines at one minute after 12 o'clock. Uh, speaking of the FIFA World Cup, Croatia are through to the uh, semifinals. They've eliminated Brazil. Oh, poor neutrals. Oh, who wanted Brazil to go through? Well. Oh. Got to be good enough, got to hold your nerve in a penalty shootout because Croatia have now won four in a row at FIFA World Cups. Uh, Two in 2018 on their way to the final in the round of 16 in quarterfinals. And guess what, in the round of 16 in quarterfinals, this time around Japan, in the round of 16, and now Brazil 4-2 on penalties. Uh, Argentina have beaten the Netherlands also on a penalty shootout. I think four goals to three, it finished two all. The Dutch scored 11 minutes into added time to send it to extra time with uh, one of the best goals of the tournament. Uh, Beautiful set play, uh, catching uh, Argentina completely unawares. One of the best set play goals, I would say. Speaking of great goals, if you've seen Neymar's goal earlier today, Grant, you will not be disappointed. If you haven't, I highly recommend you go back. It's a brilliant goal by Neymar, ultimately in a uh, losing cause. Um, Steve Borthwick uh, Meantime says he expects to be in charge Of Leicester Tigers for at least another week And insists he and his club will not be Distracted by the uncertainty over England's uh, Vacant head coaching role Uh, It seems all the English press are only talking About this guy, sorry Razor It it does seem Steve Borthwick is the man who's going to get the gig If you follow the English press Borthwick remains the prime candidate to fill Sacked Eddie Jones It's his name now, Sacked Eddie Jones We've changed it officially ID poll uh, but neg- negotiations with uh, the Rugby Football Union over the amount of compensation due to Leicester are ongoing. And the All Blacks 7s have been stunned by uh, Spain. 14 points to 10 in their opening game of the Cape Town 7s. Uh, the Black Fern Sevens 7s, uh, more successful day, 31 points to 7 win over Brazil uh, to kick off their campaign. I, I have a sneaking suspicion, Grant, that result probably won't make the national news bulletin in Brazil um, in the sports... Uh, news bulletin today after this side uh, eliminated yeah, you know, from the, uh, the world. You world. know,
1: Daniel, there's some amazing uh, stats that come out around e-commerce and uh, we spoke about Virat Kohli during the um, the World Cup cricket. It showed uh, a basically lifeline or graph of e-commerce and how busy it was just before the game started. And then when the game started, people stopped spending online because they were watching the cricket. Yeah. And it showed during India's innings, like less spending. And then suddenly, Virat Kohli's innings, literally no one was on e-commerce. Everyone was watching him bat when he got this. uh, You know, they needed 28 of eight balls. Um, The the economy stopped. And I I reckon Brazil's the same. When World Cup football happens, I'm pretty sure they just go on a six-week holiday.
0: Uh, sporting records, you want to fudge, uh, thanks to the Albanian uh, Athletics uh, Association and that little story we gave you in the Ot Show. Uh, Nathan has texted in uh, with a great little yarn, um, and he's helped decide my mind. I once shot a 17 in golf. I, I once shot a 17, because Nathan does point out that Kim Jong-il once played a round of golf in 18 shots. I don't think that will ever be beaten. Well, Nathan, I just broke it. I just broke it. I shot a 17. I'm the greatest golfer of all time. And look, Grant's about to shoot a 16. Oh dear, he's just shot a 16. I held that record for all of 20 seconds.
1: I've well, I've been thinking about it, and I don't know the, the, um, I've if I had to choose an event, an Olympic event, we asked our listeners earlier, like if you had to cheat a time, I don't know whether I'd like to be totally humiliated in the event, you know, like Eric the eel in swimming, um, yeah. or whether you'd want to, you know, just save face. And I think it'd be quite quite good doing the hundred metres, just to be alongside the likes of, you know, Usain Bolt back in the day, and just to see how fast they really are. You come in at you know twelve seconds, and then they're about thirty metres ahead of you. I'd
0: like to beat Tom Hicks's record from last week. Grant of most strychnine had during uh, an Olympic event. How good was
1: that story <laughs> last
0: week? That was fabulous. Grant also suggested. Is there an alternative to a penalty shootout? Grant's off those, oh, I don't like when people lose in penalty shootouts. It sounded a bit mean, didn't it? Um, and here's a couple of suggestions. Rock, paper, scissors from Mark. Mark, Mark reckons it's a game of rock, paper, scissors. My Lord, imagine the pressure for the, guy, for the, the person you send out for, for the rock, paper, scissors off. My Lord, he'll never be able to go home if he loses. You think it's unfair to highlight five people to take a penalty shootout representing a team in a nation? Imagine one person, the desert, here he comes. He was subbed on with 30 seconds to go. He's famous. He's famous for his scissor start. Will he go with the scissors? Will he go with the paper? And I can't even remember the other one. Yeah, uh, that that, that would be a lot of pressure.
1: And people will be walking past him in the streets playing rock, paper, scissors, just signs to him it would, it would plague him forever but one of our listeners said that five-a-side football but actually i've been thinking about it what about if you had sort of 10 minutes of uh, extra time and every minute you had to take a player off
0: well i think um, this text message is suggesting something of that um, nature uh, because the message reads uh, drop off like touch rugby i must admit um I'm not exactly sure what he means, but I'm assuming you take off a player after a certain period of time. But what if, but Grant, if it's then three on three, and a team scores three on three, how do you feel about that? That doesn't look like football, does it? Three on three on a huge football field does seem a little bit odd. Ben Francis is a man who um, you know doesn't shoot from the hip. He, he likes to think and take his time before coming up with... Uh, with his uh, words, his, his words he chooses very carefully when he's speaking to us at all. We don't know if he's, we're in his good books at the moment. Hello, Ben. Good like afternoon, to gentlemen. Good to have Hello, you. Hello,
5: you I've got a couple of suggestions here. My first one would be, and because it's 11 a side, you could do it with each player goes up against the player that they're up against, and because it's 11 there, it's going to be a definite winner, and that is a shin-kicking contest.
0: How does a shin kicking contest actually go?
5: So I think you put your hands on, like, your other person's shoulders and you, just, you have to just kick them in the shin. Any, like, taking your hands off to rub your shin or any, like, flinching by pulling your leg away is almost like a loss.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of merit to this. Why? Because football is naturally the worst actors in all of sport. Exactly. They yeah, you know, have to go against every sort of, uh, you know, fabric of their fibre. I'm assuming you'd have to take off their shin pads. There'd be no shin pads. So Jack Grealish would be great on this. The guy selling the Jeff Grealish <laughs> calendar would absolutely vote for this. So so there's another one, a shin-kicking competition, right? Do you like?
1: I like that. I, I just – I don't know. I, can you not think of anything more painful than a, that? Uh, a boat I race? Mean, why why limit to
0: what about a boat race? And I'm not talking about Eric Murray, who was our legend uh, last hour. If you missed that interview, I highly recommend catching our uh, social media channels. But what about a good old-fashioned boat race? Neck one, put it on your head, but like you were doing at your Christmas party last night, Grant.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think the English would win that. Then the English are at an unfair advantage for the boat race.
5: I do, I do have one more though, and it would and it take a bit of time, but I think like a like a Highland Games esque kind of event.
0: Oh, caber tossing. Yeah. yeah. throw a caber over the crossbar. <laughs> I like it. You'd have to move the fans behind the goal, though, Ben, wouldn't you? You'd have to move them back.
5: That just adds to the excitement.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, how, how many away fa- uh, you know, fans do you take out with your caber toss? You know, That's the count back if it's all locked up after the first five caber tosses. Well, who killed the most fans?
1: you could do weird. it i mean like america's cup basically the host nation gets to decide or if it's like whoever's home yeah. game they get to decide whatever the the way is to um decide a victory and if you don't want to decide on penalties you get to decide whether it's a boat race or a caber toss mm.
0: how would we decide at new zealand what, what would be our role how many times we can talk about the weather in a minute
1: or sheep shearing. all the
0: yeah, she... yeah sheep shearing competition very good. If you've got novel ideas on how to decide a uh, tied match in uh, football, uh, that without it being a uh, penalty shootout, do let us know. Uh, we will take a short break. It's ten minutes after twelve o'clock. You send your messages to double eight double three. Still to come this hour, we'll whip through our Midas Aggregator's workhorse of the week, David Choke. We'll stop by to talk some uh, FIFA World Cup. Um, we'll hopefully catch up with the good all and our sporting tips you should probably run towards. That we had uh, another decent week last week, didn't we, Grant? If I don't mind saying so, sorry myself. Saying myself. Uh, we will uh, be back though after this break. Group one season is here, and that means winners only, alright, Louis and Kempi. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast,
3: weekdays from six.
1: Afternoons with Staffy. The Vault on Monday is a $500 TAB bonus bet booty. Can you unlock it? We've had so many clues, so many jackpots. It's 2005, it's Eden Park, it's New Zealand, Australia, one day. What is the iconic sporting moment locked away in the Vault? If you can unlock it, a $500 TAB bonus bet on Monday. Be in it.
0: Quarter past 12. This is the Saturday session. David showed in a few minutes time to join us to talk FIFA World Cup. Uh, Dino writes, and uh, in an angrily way, uh, Grant Elliott, Daniel, tell Grant Messi has, th- and I'm going to do it with a tone. You know, I, I like adding a tone to a message. Daniel, tell Grant Messi has 386 million followers on Instagram and Coley has 231 million. The whole world stops when he plays and shame on you, Grant, for not watching the greatest sports event on earth. Dino.
1: Oh, Dino, I, I'm sorry. It's not that I don't want to watch it. It's just that I haven't, I don't know. I just haven't had the time. I need to. I need to, Dino. I'm. I'm. I love constructive feedback, um, and I'm going to take that on board. And I'm going to be um, watching from now on in. I like to watch. You know, when it gets close, <sighs> the series, the quarters, the finals. Now it gets interesting.
0: Ooh. So you have to watch a maximum of six games, Grant. Wow, you really <laughs> exactly. do know how to work hard. You do know how to work hard. Speaking of working hard, time for our uh, workhorse of the week. The workhorses of the week is probably uh, a better way of saying it, Daniel. Uh, My non-nomination? Spain. Spain, you are my non-nomination this week. You were eliminated by Morocco at the round of 16 stage of the FIFA World Cup. Uh, Why do you get a non-nomination? Well, you didn't score over 120 minutes and then didn't even score in a penalty shootout. Like, you missed every shot. Penalties and 120 minutes, and you didn't put the ball in the old onion bat. That's quite hard to do. Then you had the temerity to accuse Morocco of playing boring football when you had, what, close to 70% possession of that game and you mustered one shot on goal. Keeping the ball might be a positive, but I thought Spain was so boring to watch. And there's no cutting edge, so they're my non nomination grant. Spain, who couldn't even score. What, 12 yards out of the penalty spot. Um, my actual nomination for my, my workhorse of the week, uh, Grant Elliott, um, you know, Honourable Mention, Honourable Mention, that's a new category. I've just started now, Croatia. Honourable Mention to Croatia uh, for eliminating uh, Brazil and getting back to another World Cup semi-final. Uh, but my nomination goes to Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. Grant, do you know why? you know what Aaron Judge did this week? Have you ever heard of Aaron Judge? Grant no,
1: who is Aaron Judge?
0: Aaron Judge um, had a monumental season for the New York Yankees. He had 62 home runs, the most ever by in that franchise's illustrious history. He's a giant of a figure for that franchise. He's just a giant of a figure. He's about six foot eight. He's huge. Now, last offseason, he had one year remaining on his contract at the end of last season. The New York Yankees offered him $213 million over seven years. That's, um, that's, that's New Zealand... Pesos equivalent of three hundred and thirty-three million, and he said no, Grant. He turned them down. Could you imagine turning down two hundred and thirteen million U.S. three hundred and thirty-three? He said no. I am betting on myself to put up big numbers in my contract year. Well, he did that. He was the best player on the planet by a long, long way at sixty-two home, as I as I mentioned. Well, he has now parlayed that um, earlier this week into a nine-year deal 360 million us the largest ever contract handed out in major league baseball history um which is the if i do my maths correctly grant just a cool 561 million new zealand dollars over nine years (laughs) wow
1: i love the i love the guts to just back yourself like that because i mean you can you can be played by injury you know you never know a lot of the time as a sportsman the destiny is not really in your own hands but to back yourself like that turn it down and then you know almost double it that's incredible um big and- cojones if you want to be backing someone like that
0: yeah he's my workhorse of the week with my non-nomination to spain uh, David Choate's probably crying right now, thinking about the terrible life decisions he'd made, playing football and not chasing uh, uh, the cash in baseball. The former all-white part of our FIFA World Cup commentary team here on SENZ joins us now. Ralphie, welcome to the show. Crying
6: Brazilian tears this morning, Daniel. Brazil gone. The neutrals. My, my, my favourite team, they're gone. So uh, that's my sadness today. Um, but, but if you're a Croatia fan... You'll be dancing in
1: the streets. Fantastic result for
0: them. David, is he it, is it a... numbers? Oh, sorry, sorry, it... Grant, you
1: go. Oh, is it a stupid question as to why Brazil's your most favourite team?
6: Uh, the 80s, um, 82, uh, when the All Whites first made it there, that sort of pricks, pricks up my ears, the football, I suppose. And, and that side was full of um, the Zico's, the Socrates, uh, Junior, and all these guys playing in that lovely yellow strip. It's always for me represented sort of the uh, the beautiful game. They've not always been beautiful, and they were momentarily beautiful at this tournament, but they go home uh, uh, at the hands of Croatia after another long late show penalty shootout. Very hard way to uh, exit the
0: tournament. Yeah, Brazil had the, the better of um, the action, didn't they, in the, in the final third? I think they had 20 shots on goal, 11 on target. I thought Guardiola, um, you know, scrambled brilliantly. Lavarcovic and goal I thought was excellent. The Croatian midfield did what they did. Um, they, they held possession from, from time to, to sort of take the sting out of the game. So they coped. But Brazil, what did they lack to turn that sort of dominance um, into ultimately a winning performance?
6: It took her about 105 minutes, and I thought they'd done all they needed to do with that wonderful goal for Neymar. If you haven't seen it, have a look. The football's fantastic. It's one-touch football weaving into the box and then the dancing feet of Neymar to smash at top corner. That's a dream, a peach of a goal. Um, and I thought that was probably enough to win them the match. They're undone with almost the last kick of extra time with uh, with uh, a deflected shot from the edge of the area. So I think they sort of did most of it right. Um, but in the end, uh, if you don't give yourself breathing room, you leave yourself open to the counterpunch. They got hit. And then in the penalty shootout, it becomes a bit of a lottery. But not so much of Yulobakovic. He's done this before. Uh, um, He is a a beast of a goalkeeper around the penalty shootout. So he is the Croatian unlikely hero again. Uh, When your goalkeeper's the hero, though, Daniel, I do worry about you as a footballing outfit.
0: (laughs) They are (laughs) limited up top. There's no denying that. Sorry, Grant. No, that's all
1: right. Uh, David, um, I want to find out, I mean we're going to go into our sporting bets that you need to run a mile from. So I'm going to pick your brain because last time I did that, we um, we actually got uh, Thomas Waldrum to call the draw with the All Blacks uh, England. So I will be picking your brain about some some scores. But I've asked everyone around football, World Cup, like, why are there so many upsets?
6: Tough game, football, because uh, you've got to find the back of the net and that's the hardest thing in football. So if you stay close to a team... Uh, yeah, keep them away from your goal. I've said in this tournament particularly, the longer the tournament goes, it's about not losing, not necessarily winning. If you get the, uh, my drift, it's about keeping people away from your goal, not necessarily attacking the other goal as much as you might need to. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough game. One goal does it. And uh, as we've seen in the second game this morning, even a two-goal buffer leaves you open to a 10-minute barrage where you drop a couple of goals and you're, you're back in it. So uh, it is a, it's a hard game to uh, get your header out. The funny thing in the second game this morning for me, Grant, was an example. The Dutch were absolutely hammering uh, away for the last 10 minutes of their match against Argentina. Extra time started, and both teams went back into their shell and said, we're not going to lose. So it's a game that you don't lose, not necessarily you go out to win all of the time.
0: Croatia, just a few thoughts on them. Didn't have a shot on goal until the actual goal, 118 minutes into the game. So... (laughs) They lack serious quality in that final third. It actually makes their story all the more amazing, doesn't it? Finalists four years ago, defence midfield, I think, did what we expected of them, but it's hard to imagine what they could achieve if they had a forward line, David. They never never seemingly tire. They they never believe they're out of a game.
6: Yeah, well, I keep on using the adjective they're a good side, which is probably doing them an injustice. Uh, I'll go as far as to say they're a very good side. They are a very good side, but they would be a great side if they could bring back uh, the likes of Dabo or Suka, if you remember him from uh, a yeah. generation ago, Man- Manju- Manjusic, Manjusic, I can't even say his name. Um, they've always <laughs> had someone at the top, the top, the top end who, who sort of finishes your squad off. But this squad doesn't have it, so they don't need it. They've got a midfield three that are as good as anyone in the world game. And then Luka Modric, who I thought had his best game, Again this morning, Modric was impeccable. Uh, at he was. Bible. He was outstanding. Uh, they have a good midfield. a oh, great midfield! They have a great midfield. It's um, it's a midfield that just keeps recycling the ball, just keeps coming at you. Um, so they've got everything else uh, in their in their locker except maybe the pointy end. So they play to stay in matches, and uh, they probably won't uh, go away too easily in a semi final. So don't back them, uh, or don't knock back them to go through to the final. I think they're a, as good a chance as any.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of neutrals who are sad about Brazil being out. David, being the Brazilian fan, is sad about it. Uh, you know, be the anti-football brigade will be complaining again today. But Croatia don't care about your feelings when it comes to, to knockout stages. Four penalty shootouts they've won over the last two World Cups. That's uh, kind of amazing. So we went on to the second one. Uh, the neutrals no doubt would have been uh, rooting for Argentina. Uh, Messi has been... Uh, Excellent. I, I don't think his side has hit the heights. Gee, David, that first half, well, through to the, the first goal, was so cagey. Two sides who did not want to take a risk at all, and it was a thing of beauty, a messy pass, spotting Molina, I think it was, uh, that, that finally opened up the scoring.
6: Well, it was that don't lose mantra uh, that I spoke about earlier. They just were playing not to lose, if you know what I mean. And I thought both sides were cancelling each other out in that regard. The difference with the Sergeant. Tinian side is they have uh, the little maestro Lionel Messi is um, the best going round at the moment and without Messi Argentina become a bit toothless with Messi he can change the game that goal was a wonderful example of assist play from Messi but he was at the heart of every good move they had really Messi is their go-to without Messi they don't go very far in the tournament I don't think um, but the rest of them, they remind me of junkyard dogs, and what I mean by that is they are just fighters, they'll bark, and they'll snap away for the whole hour and a half of normal time, and then into extra time they don't slow down. So, they're a side that has uh, the little master um, in Leno Messi. He is a magician, and he can win the World Cup for them, and that would be the romantic finish for his career, because he'll be at his last World Cup, there's no doubt about that.
1: David, a lot of people speak about individuals and I'm guessing it like similar to cricket. It's not necessarily those teams with amazing dynamic individuals that, that win the game. Is it world cups more about team cohesion and how much of a buildup they have as a team together? Because not a lot of these teams actually have or spend time together as a team to get their combinations. Right.
6: I think that, you're right that this, this World Cup will be won by the best team in the end. And you'd say that a team like Argentina are playing like a team. They are um, fighting together. They are united on the pitch. You can see their celebrations with their fans. They're at one with their people. They're at one with their with their fan base. Uh, they are all in, but they have this X factor player who can just put the uh, cherry on top, I think. So... So I think the, the side that wins, it will be the side that's got the togetherness about them. But if you look at the sides that are left, they've all got a togetherness about them now. There's not really, barring Portugal, where you will wonder if Ronaldo is playing his own game, but the rest of them seem to be playing for their shirt. And always, the Argentinians, the Brazilians, and more latterly, the English, pulling on the shirt means a lot to them. And you can see that in the performances.
0: Uh, David Choate is with us as we recap uh, the first couple of quarterfinals and look ahead. Before we do that, uh, just just finishing up this Dutch-Argentina game, it looked like it was safe when Messi makes it 2-0 after 70-odd minutes. The Dutch, I thought, were pretty pedestrian in possession and on attack throughout the game. Their first shot on goal, David, came in the 83rd minute. Down 2-0, they finally scored with their first shot on target. Vig also smart-headed to give them a sniff. But please explain that set piece to those who have not seen it. 11 minutes into added time that sent this one. Yeah, 11 minutes into added time sent this one into extra time. It's 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 quite bizarre, um, the goal for, for the Dutch, but a beautiful one nonetheless.
6: Yeah, well, I was sitting on the couch, Daniel, sitting with my wife who, who knows um, less than most about football, and I'd made some utterance that, gee, that was brave. Um, and she said, what do you mean brave? I said, Every other player in the world at the last tick of the game with a free kick on the edge of the box was looking to shoot. And that's what everyone was expecting. Except off the training pitch came the slide wall pass down the side of the wall into the Burnley striker, by the way. Burnley, hardly uh, a glamour outfit. Uh, he, he spins and pokes it past the keeper for the most remarkable finish to a, uh, a quarterfinal match. It was both brave to not take the shot, um, but it was clever, it was well-constructed, clearly off the coaching uh training pitch, you would say. Uh, But to pull that out with the last kick of the game, put it this way, if it doesn't go in, Daniel, there'll be a lot of people asking questions, why you are not shooting?
1: Hmm. Now, now David, I want to ask you, obviously I said um, I'm going to try and get some intel here. I'm thinking there's been some amazing people that have punted and made a lot of money getting exact scores on Maltese. Now, I'm thinking... Portugal-Morocco, I'm thinking Portugal 3-0. And I'm thinking France-England, I'm thinking 2-0 to France. How am I looking? I actually don't
6: mind the shout. (laughs) No, I don't mind the shout, but I think it should pay plenty. Is that sort of telling you everything? That should pay a a, a few dollars, I would have thought. Morocco haven't conceded many at this tournament, so I don't think there'll be lots of goals in it. Morocco remind me of Croatia, uh, in that they are a side without stars, really. Um, but they work really hard for themselves, and it's played in their neighbourhood. I'm saying Africa or North Africa is close enough to fill the stadium with a bit of uh, a bit of sort of energy that will back the Moroccans. The Moroccans, for me, are the uh, the longest of long shots to go through. I get that, but um, if you're looking for an upset, that's where I'd be looking.
1: Yeah, I well, I'm not I'm not looking for an upset in either of those games. I reckon I think Portugal. Are you just looking
0: to retire with that bet, aren't you? <coughs>
1: Well, it all will be revealed later on on our sporting on. bets. You need to run a mile from.
0: I can see, I can Here see where down. you go there.
6: Portugal, Portugal last time out looked like a side that can score for fun. I get that, so um, there's no reason why if that's the story of the Portugal World Cup journey, um, that that won't continue. But uh, I think Morocco will be stiff stiff opposition. I think they play a cagey game. Early mm. goal, you're in the money. It changes the game. Um, as soon as you go behind, it does change the game. So maybe.
0: I, I, I admire what I've seen from Morocco so much, but I do wonder how much have they got left in the tank. They look gassed at the end of that game. You know, players, you know, hobbling around for the last 10, 15 minutes. I know they'll be, uh, you know, rooted on by their incredible fans. It's really made it a home tournament for them. Uh, but England, France, how do, how do you see it playing out? That is the big one. I called it the World Cup final tomorrow morning. The winner out of that one wins the tournament. Mind. I'm already having regrets saying it, David, uh, because uh, predictions uh, make fools of us at this tournament. How do you see that one?
6: Yeah, well, I've for a long time said that France go in as favourites and go all the way to the final, and do they go back-to-back? That would be um, history-making, or certainly you've got to go back uh, 50 or more years since uh, someone went back-to-back. And I think only two teams have ever gone back-to-back in a World Cup, so they will be uh, fighting history as well as an English side that's come together at this tournament better than most. Um, going in, there was a little bit of pessimism, pessimism about the English, but the, closest, the closer I've got to this game, the more you sort of think about it, you think, well, England have lots of options. I did, um, I did play the funny game of sort of, who's the best 11 if you had the French and the English squads? And I end up with about half the English squad in the, in the best 11. So I think this is really evenly balanced. I suspect this one's got extra time written all over it. Yeah. and I'll still say with France by a whisker. Um, although, if they stop Mbappe, they go a long way to um, blunting that French attack.
1: David, um, do you think that this World Cup has been one of the most memorable of all time? Just because um, the up-
6: yeah Yeah, for me, the football, um, or the levelling of the football playing field, I mean, this, this African side is... Um, looking to write history to be the first African side through to a semi-final. Europe have dominated certainly the last 20 years, and they're there or thereabouts again. Um, the, the Asian uh, experience through Japan and South Korea coming out of their groups um, again says that the footballing world is easing up. Australia, um, Australia have certainly performed uh, with real credit for this part of the world, although they are in the Asian Confederation. Um, they, they represented uh, the Antipodes, if you like, um, you know, or all the, all the, the South Pacific um, pretty well. So, um, yeah, I, I think memorable for its um, football, the football on the pitch has been uh, quality. Not much diving around, not much terrible refereeing, and that's usually what you talk about at World Cups. All the talk has been about the football, which is a good thing.
0: David, thanks so much for dropping by, mate. You've done a brilliant job throughout this tournament. Enjoy the final few games. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, I'm off
6: David. down. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yeah, go over
0: light down. <laughs> David Choate, former New Zealand international, part of the, our SCNZ commentary team for the FIFA World Cup. We are the home of the uh, World Cup. Uh, the remaining games, I think, all on the app. I think the final, though, will be on radio, although um, we might have to confirm that at a later date, but I'm pretty sure it is. A couple more messages have come through on 8883. Uh, Croatia is the football equivalent of the New Zealand cricket team at World Cups, Grant. There you go. Someone giving you some context. Um, someone wants a shots on target countback fairer than than cricket. You're not going to hear me argue if it's fairer than the 2019 one. Shots on target on countback, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Absolutely hate it. I want it. I want it defined by that day. What happened that day? Not if you got. What if you got to play Costa Rica at this World Cup? Your shots on target um, tally should be quite significant. Because then it comes down to sh- strength of schedule across two pools. No, let, let's find a way to actually decide it. On the day. On the day, I I would argue. Someone writes here, goalie starting. Not sure what that actually means. Well, you just want the goalies playing against each other. That could be quite fascinating. And I think Nathan has actually uh, nailed it. This is the smartest way forward. I'm surprised they haven't done this one before. But decide draws by tallython. The team that deposits the most cash in Gianni Infantino's bank account within 24 hours progresses. (laughs) <laughs> well done nathan well done nathan if i had a prize to give out i would give you it the hood the hood the hood's had a good day we'll take a short break we've got some racing uh, to come stay with us uh that will be number one tro Brianne paying a dollar seventy one dollar thirty finishing first ahead of shoes i love that for a horse shoes just shoes, shoes? Right, number name. five, and course, right. only five horses in the race are only one and two in the money. So, commiserations to horse number three who finished last. Um, if I was advising you on comms, your PR pitch, I finished fifth this week. Pretty solid, just out of the
1: just out of the placings.
0: So, yeah, shoes. It's bit, there's no Friddle's name, isn't it, Grant?
1: No, it's nice. It's basic. Well, I mean, we speak about. Nicknames all the time on the show. Good nicknames. And I think New Zealand, we're just letting ourselves down with nicknames. Look at horses' names. They do so well, giving them names. Shoes.
0: You're not sure? You're not sure? Two trailer park girls going around the outside. Still uh, my favourite horse name of all time. (laughs) Are we going to announce the 2022 Saturday Session Nickname of the Year on our final show that we're doing together next week? We know at um, maybe this time in one week exactly, Grant Elliott will be attempting a world record attempt. (coughs) He will be attempting a world record on the show. Yes. Set it in your diaries, in your calendars. Write a little note to yourself. Write it on your hand for seven days. I'm sure that will stay on there for seven days. Grant Elliott is going to do what in an attempt to get into the Guinness Book of World Records, Grant?
1: Well, we found out through um, our producer extraordinaire, Ben Francis, that there was a world record and it was typing the alphabet with cricket gloves and it was 8.56 seconds from memory. I, I just did it just, you know, off the cuff without gloves on and I think I was just above that 8.56 time and I didn't really test myself, you know, or train and get the uh, my whereabouts on the keyboard. So... I think I could do this, and I'm going to yeah, you're search. Yeah, um, Yeah, I'm confident, and I'm going to search the Wellington um, Cricket Museum for those old gloves because they didn't specify what cricket gloves.
0: Exactly. See, and uh, this was a little bit of information I threw you during the week is let's, let's you know, try and cheat. Let's try and seek an unfair advantage. Um, let's find an old set of gloves where basically they just had those little spiky bits on the knuckle, and your hands are basically free, Grant. It's a, yeah. it's a clear it's a clear little loophole we need to exploit because we're all about exploiting loopholes on this program we're all about seeking that unfair advantage and then we can have a world record holder on this program Ben Francis is he overconfident are you a little bit worried that he's getting ahead of himself um, because I did tell him he did it in nine point five seconds last weekend I might have fudged the numbers a bit like oh, the no. Albanian F a bit like the Albanian Athletics Federation or whatever. it might he might have been more in the fifteen to sixteen second bracket. But don't tell Grant Ben that I may have fudged his numbers.
5: Oh, uh, he, he is coming across a, maybe a, a touch arrogant, but hey, he he's backed yeah. it up he's backed it up in big moments before. <laughs> un, unless you're talking about his Test career,
0: yeah, 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 <laughs> Superman, Superman. No, I'm lying, Grant. You were definitely in that ballpark of about nine seconds which
1: is not okay. far off
0: that world record, mate. It was an impressive yeah. first attempt. It impressive. I did
1: I did notice that he had one of those old-school keyboards as well where the, mm-hmm. the keys are actually protruding quite a lot, so I think yeah. we might need you, to get one of those.
0: You also weren't wearing cricket gloves, though, were you?
1: No, I wasn't. No, but, um, so it was I, just
0: I... you typing the alphabet out with no cricket gloves. It's just a minute detail, just a small detail uh, in our world record hunt. That your practice round, not taking the Eric Murray advice of making practice harder than the actual racing themselves from our Saturday session chat earlier today. Well, I think Ben that. Francis should so the get opposite. the world
1: record holder online, so he yeah. can be online to just to hear his anguish as I beat him an eight point four six or something.
0: Yeah, to hear his heartbreaking. To hear his heartbreaking. <laughs>
5: I'm not going to waste my time.
0: <laughs> Trying to track down the world record holder. Hey, right, think of the people. Think about the audience. They'd absolutely love it. Uh, so that is all next week. That is all next week on the program. But who, who would be our early favorite for nickname of the year?
1: Cuddles. Has yeah. to be Cuddles. Yeah.
0: Cuddles out of the West Coast?
1: Cuddles of the West Coast. Is a. He was a prop or a hooker? So he's in the front row. I know that. I,
0: I can't remember, but he was an absolute legend, and we loved him. Um, but, but, hey, think about it all week, and then after 10 o'clock on the temper bedpost, a text machine, we'll uh, ask the audience to contribute for the best sporting nickname of 2022. Uh, we've been aghast at the lack of quality in nicknames in New Zealand sport. Have a hard, look, long look at yourself, New Zealand. Your yeah, nicknames are rubbish. The hairy jab and snake have spoken. We don't have a nickname yet for Ben because we're lazy. We will take a break, though, and on the other side, the Munnet. Yeah, that is a good one. The sporting tips you should probably run a mile from after the break to finish. It is now nine minutes away from one o'clock. Rather be playing golf right now, grab your mates and register at longestday.org.nz. All right, Mr. Elliot, it's been the longest day for you, no doubt, after suffering last night or humiliating yourself on the dance floor. Uh, the rumours are to be believed. It is time for redemption, my friend. Um, it is time for these sporting tips we should probably run a mile from. Um, last week I told you Argentina would beat Australia, but Australia would score. It was uh, There was a nice little return. That came through. Um, luckily, my outside punt didn't come through, which is the uh, what I like to call God hates football bet. There's always one game in the knockout stage where God decides... The pleasant-looking football side should not go through and the turgid side should go through. I predicted Poland to beat uh, France at penalties. Thank heavens that did not happen. Um, And you could say the um, God-hates-football result can't happen again in this round after what happened this morning. Grant, um, what have you got this week?
1: Um, I've got, um, uh, well, I did speak about it in the show and it did sound like David Choate, our guest, around uh, Football World Cup, he said That he thought that it would go um a draw but france would go through he felt um and he did say portugal despite morocco being um quite a dogged team in defense and busy um if you look at portugal's record in terms of how many goals they've scored leading up to this tournament and in this tournament they did six on switzerland um I think they've got goal scoring ability, and I'm going to go three nil to Portugal against Morocco, which gives you twelve dollars, and I'm going to multi that up with France two nil um, to beat England, and that gives you you are a you are sticking by your three, you're sticking by it. Yeah, I thought you so, were going three
0: dollars uh, Morocco to beat three uh, nil Morocco to beat Portugal, which is only paying one hundred and one dollars. No, I wasn't going,
1: no, definitely not that. Yeah. So I've gone a little bit okay. more conservative. But you throw a little I, I sneaky Morocco, 20 on.
0: I expect Morocco's defence to be better than Switzerland. Switzerland were about as useful as they were during World War II, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> nothing. They offered nothing um, against Portugal. But Portugal, um, beyond Ronaldo, um, did look a different side, didn't they? It's probably... I actually do want, I do wonder if Morocco had had a, war, had a war. They've already won their World Cup, haven't they, getting this far? Ben Francis, you're going to contribute this week. I cannot wait to hear what you've got.
5: Well, I'm sure you can guess what sport it's coming from with the uh, World Darts Championship starting on Friday. I was about to say. Uh, and in the opening game of the World Champs, we have our very own Kiwi, uh, Ben Robert, Ben Rob up in action. He's been playing in an online Super Series over in the UK. He's been getting better as the week progresses, and in his opening game, he's paying $2.11. So I think we just jump on that. Support our Kiwi. Uh,
0: nice. Thank you very much. Um, absolutely. Let's wave our flag. I don't have a flag, but if I did, I'd be waving it right now. Um, in football, uh, the Wellington Phoenix and Western Sydney Wanderers will draw tonight. Uh, $3.60, that's paying. Uh, full commentary right here on SENZ. $3.60 for the draw on that one. Uh, if you want to risk, one all at six fifty dollars 50 maybe. Uh, but my bankable, uh, there, there is no God doesn't like this ex-football side who played attractive sport but can't get through um, because he's watching cricket in Multan and it will be Pakistan to beat England, Grant, paying
1: $1.57. Oh, yes, I like that. They're looking good. They're looking good. Bubba. Bubba is um, he's not getting out any time soon.
0: Baby. But we played him back into form and we called it here on SCNZ at that t twenty World Cup. He looks a change man, isn't he? Bubba's back. <laughs> Bubba goes big. So probably good money on Bubba getting a hundred, right? I mean
1: actually. Bubba not, is it, back. And the out. Saturday yeah. sesh will be back next weekend again, won't it, Daniel?
0: Final show of the year with us three together. <laughs> How are we gonna hold it together?
1: Well, um, I'm, I'm under tears. pressure to get a fairly really good guest. Ben Francis it's final show, I've got to get someone big.
0: Well, have you delivered anyone recently? Yeah, every now and yeah, then. No. Every now and then. All right, fellas. Thanks, Ben. Have a great week, Grant. Well done battling through. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Dan.